morning, Friday morning. See, much better. La 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 la. There you go. Sounds much better, doesn't it? It's doing the rounds. It's, I mean, it's not 100, percent but I mean, for goodness' sake, it's like 90 percent improvement on yesterday. Till we start the coughing, and then you re- then you realise perhaps we've gone backwards. But I, I've discovered a trick to getting over this this sore throat and cough thing. Before you go to bed, swallow cough mixture, because when you're asleep. It then works on your throat, because during the daytime, if you take cough mixture and you take cough medicine, then you have some water and then a cup of tea, it washes it all away. Whereas the idea is you want it to sit on your throat and start doing, doing the acting. And God knows, you know, you will be suffering this Christmas. There will be people for whom Christmas will be a distant blur, I'm afraid, because so many people... Now they say there's lots of kids coming down with colds and the flu, and yet we all seem to have had the flu injection. I've had the flu injection, so I I shouldn't be suffering with anything like that. And yet the sore throat, they don't give you anything to compensate the sore throat. And I'm assuming that's an airborne virus. You can... Oh, we're taking things off already, are we? Okay, great. Okay, not a lot, not a lot. Perhaps a little bit later on we'll take more off. Okay, super. Uh, stories of the papers table come around to in a moment. We take all your text and emails, 84850, uk, And uh, we go through your Christmas cards, which again have been arriving in volume, which is very nice indeed. Thank you. I've managed to fill up the window sills. We've had to double bank on many of them. Double bank on many of them, which is good. And today is the 21st. And this is going to be, as you've just heard on the news with Rupert, this is going to be the busiest day for driving. This is when everybody... Dri- I don't know why. I mean, I'm going to get out there and drive. I only got attacked by a fox this morning. I came downstairs. You know, when you, you come through a door and this fox sort of stood out in front of me. And whereas years ago, foxes would run away, they stand their ground now. They stand their ground. You look at them and you think, you're going to attack me. They're very brave. Very, Twickenham, they're very, very brave. Very brave. And I've suddenly realised, you know, we, we, we talk about the barking mad woman who feeds the pigeons in Twickenham. She gets up at the crack of dawn. She's, she's quite a few screws loose upstairs and she empties bird seed and bread. So we've got rats. We've got everything. She's a filthy looking thing. I mean, she really is disgusting of the worst possible kind. And I suddenly realised yesterday she's killing the pigeons herself. She's the one killing them. Not because she's feeding them bread, which is really bad for birds. You shouldn't feed them. But also it's stopping them scavenge. And that's what pigeons do. They scavenge. So when this old biddy dies, there's, nobody's going to feed them. So they're going to die. They're going to be sort of, you know, we're going to have pigeons dropping out of the sky, thank God. You know, and people sort of picking them up and chucking them on the rubbish heap. So what she's effectively doing is she's killing them because she's taking away their natural instinct, which is to forage. They for, it's like you don't feed foxes, do you, unless you're particularly stupid. You know, people who feed hedgehogs, it's all very cute and sweet. But then after a while, the hedgehog stops going about its daily business and just wanders up to your back door. It's like cats. Cats will do exactly the same. If you have a cat that comes in your garden, you feed it. The cat will come back every single day because that's where it thinks the food is. It couldn't give a flying forex whether you're its mother or not. It will go to where the food is. A friend of mine was looking after a cat for a year. A year this cat was coming to her door, sitting there. And eventually the cat was just coming inside and was sitting in the, in the kitchen. And it sat in the sitting room. Thought it, until one of the uh, people down the road stuck a note through all the doors going, Has anybody seen my cat? It's been missing. And this friend of mine said, we've been looking after it for a year because cats go where they're fed. They've got no loyalty. Whoever's feeding them, and exactly the same for pigeons. They just sit there waiting till this barking mad old biddy turns up, feeds them all the stuff. They don't, even, they don't need to do anything at all. They just sit there. And so they're all bloated and fat. Effectively, this stupid woman who claims to be an animal lover, quite clearly, and so stupid she can't see beyond the end of her nose, is killing them. Fantastic, but I mean, she's too stupid to realise that. You can't, you couldn't explain to somebody who is that barking mad. So uh, every morning we get there, she's up really early. She's doing the rounds. You can't miss her. She's got a shopping trolley with her, and she uh, 
and she sort of walks, and she buys all this cheap bread in Iceland and birdseed, and she drops it all over the place. Oh, disgusting. She really is. I wish somebody had run her over. Anyway, <laughs> me being caring for Christmas. Uh, lovely Christmas card here. Season's tweetings. You see, look at that. Even cancer research have jumped on the bandwagon. Season's tweetings. I did tweet yet. What did I tweet? I can't remember what I tweeted yesterday because I was I was not I was feeling okay. But uh, I did think yesterday, because the voice had gone slightly rough the day before, I thought, you've got to look after this, Steve. Your voice is your tool. And you don't want to sort of lose it over the Christmas period, because I've got a lot of work to do over Christmas. So I was, I was being very mindful. So for two days, I did something which I've not done in years and years. I'm a bit, I'm a bit bad in that department. Uh, it's actually resting. I don't do resting. It's like I don't do holidays. Holidays, as far as I'm concerned, are boring. You know, you go on, people say, oh, I really look forward to it. I've got friends who love holidays. If, if they could take three or four holidays a year and they could afford to, they would take three or four holidays a year. Me fills me with horror. If my boss says to me, have you thought about taking a holiday? I immediately get, well, I don't do holiday. What am I supposed to do on a holiday? I don't lie there, you know, on a beach, toasty, toasty. I don't do that kind of thing. I don't dive into the ocean. I don't do sort of walking holidays. I might eat a little bit of food. I'm just not, just not into holidays. I just don't do them. I'll happily sit in the car and drive down to Reading or drive all over the place, but I just don't want to do a holiday. I don't see the point of packing your stuff up. We've done Vegas, but that was a convention. So I didn't really see that as a holiday. I saw that as as sort of getting away. And I liked Vegas. I did like it. I always like Vegas because I think it's just so brash and it's so cheap, but it's so tacky. A bit like the lights in the LBC studio this morning. They're a little bit tacky, I'm afraid, upstairs. Not the sort of thing we would expect to see. They're sort of draped over the seats. It's all a bit peculiar, but anyway. So, uh, at least it's festive. At least it's festive. So, I, I, saw, I thought holidays. No, not really doing a holiday for rest. So, yesterday, I did nothing. I just, I got in. I had a little bit of a rest. I started doing something on the computer. And then I lost interest. And so, I then thought, I'll have a lie down, watch a bit of daytime television. That's rubbish. There really is nothing on the television that, that means that you at home are catered for. It's either a double-ended news programme where you've got inane presenters asking some of the dumbest questions I've ever heard. I mean, some of them are so appalling. A child of three could think of them. Actually, talking of a child of three, we have a nasty child in the paper this morning, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, who's just been excluded from school. And as usual, the parents, oh, we don't know what's going on here. The parents, of course, always the last people to know because they're too stupid for words. So we'll talk about that later on. And, um... And so I've, I faffed around the computer, had a little sleep, woke up. I thought I'd been asleep for hours. Turned out it'd been less than 40 minutes, which was actually not bad. And so then I dozed off again, and then I got up, and then I went out for a little walk. And then I came back, and I thought, you know, I'm not going out now again. I'm staying in for the rest of the day. So I put the heating on. I made sure I got enough stuff in the fridge. I had a whole bag of Satsumas. I think that's something to do with it, vitamin C. Well, though somebody said, vitamin C. They said, well, vitamin C is very good for you. I said, yeah, you'll have to eat an entire orange grove for it to have any effect on you. But the amount of vitamin C in an orange is negligible. It's a piddly little bit like that. It's not worth worrying about. So, uh, so I did that, and then I, I stayed in and rested and just watched television, then fell asleep, then woke up, then fell asleep. And then eventually I, I did some bœuf bourguignon last night for tea, which was very nice indeed. And uh, actually, it obviously had too much sugar in it. It had something in it that kind of affected my diabetes, because the time I got to bed, I was sweating like a pig. And so there's always... I can always do an indication of what's actually in something, so I shan't be having that again. And um, climbed it a bit, out like a light, got up this morning, went, la, I always do the la-la test. You know, la 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 And I thought, it's actually a lot better. Actually a lot... Because normally by this time, we'd be coughing. So we, we're doing quite had famous last words. Shouldn't have said that, should I? So we'll go through the uh, the papers. There's another celebrity being quizzed by the police, in inverted commas. And, as I said, a week ago, 
And I've said before, the police are just concentrating on celebrities, whereas all the other people who are involved in paedophilia with, with children... And there was that bloke from a group the other day. They've had to issue a statement on the group's website. They can't believe it. I have to be honest, I couldn't quite believe it myself. Um, and now there's, uh, there's somebody else who will come around to in a moment, and it's all celebrities. What about the other people who are operating? You know, they're working with children. I mean, it's, it's got so bad now that poor old Santa in Harrods Grotto can't touch the kids, can't do anything. It's ridiculous. This man must have been checked, CRB checked, or whatever they call it. And now you've got the kids who go, why can't you do this? Oh, well, because. Oh, well, because. Can't take pictures at the school nativity play in case there are paedophiles in the audience taking pictures. And you think, well, they're going to be parents, aren't they? So what are you saying? All paedophiles are heterosexual and their parents? Answer is, in most cases, yes, they are. Uh, other stories of the paper today. Simon Cowell's got a new girlfriend. He's looking really bloated at the moment. The picture on the front, I don't know how recent this picture is, but uh, it's not good. It's not a good picture at all. And he must look at this and think, it's not a good picture. I'm sure it's just taken badly. I'm pretty certain. And the rain across the whole country. Little villages. Wallington. I thought it was the one down near Croydon. Turns out not to be. Turns out to be one in Hampshire. And they've got flooding there. Half the village has been evacuated. And just because it stops raining, don't assume there's no more water. Because I can watch it. They can say to us down here in London, oh, there's been dreadful flooding up north. And I can look at the Thames at Richmond and I can see it down at uh, Twickenham and I can see it in uh, Teddington to a certain extent. And then within, within a day, the level of the river has risen so much that the islands in the middle of the Thames at Richmond are completely underwater. All you see is the top of the trees sticking out. The rest of the island is underwater because the amount of water that builds up, it then floods comes all the way down, and so we've got to watch it. I used to think years ago, great, buy a house by the river, very idyllic. Now you go, buy a house by the river, will it flood? Oh, God, move somewhere else. Move to higher ground. Because there's all sorts of houses in, in Wallington. They've had to put up all these special shutters just to stop not just the water, but the mud that comes with it. Farmers who've recently planted up their fields with all the crops and all the seeds have just seen it all wash away. And when it washes away... And there's thousands of acres of fields underwater. It's all the mud that comes with it. And all the mud goes into the houses, and we've seen it. It must be a nightmare for people. So not only celebrating Christmas with a flooded house again, but also if there's colds and flus and things like that, and more water on the way. And that's what they've said. Don't dream of a white Christmas this year. Dream of a very, very wet Christmas. This is LBC 97.3. 97.3. Morning, season's tweetings. I quite like that, actually. I think that's quite a good, uh, good line. And well done to Cancer Research for picking up with that one. Nice card here. I don't know if this is a homemade card. Have a very sprouty Christmas. And uh, this is from... Oh, I'm hopeless at reading some of these names. Well, I, I just know it's some people from Sand... Is it Sandbatch in Cheshire? Is that how you pronounce it? And one of them's Sarah. Is it Sarah? I can't read the first bit. I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. It's people's writing nowadays. If we, if we all printed things, I could read it an awful lot better. It's definitely their fault. Never mind. Uh, this is one from uh, my other producer, Cat. It's quite a nice cut. Glitter, again. Got glitter everywhere. I, don't, I, I suppose I've just got to get used to the fact that glitter is, uh, is all over the place. And uh, this one with Deck the Hall. So this is uh, uh, Happy Christmas Steve from... I think it's Lucy. <laughs> Why is it you can't read people's names now? You might as well bring an interpreter in. But actually, it might not be Lucy. It could be Gary. Actually, it could be Eddie. It could be Ivy. It could be any. It could be anybody at all. It just says. Well, I can't read. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Steve. From 
Lucy, Gary. It's one of the two, anyway. So you know if you sent a card in, all right? Perhaps I'll get better at deciphering them as the programme goes on. Another one here. This is from Phyllis and Brian. I think it's Phyllis and Brian. Thank you very much. We met you at the Middlesex show. Thank you. Very nice indeed. Very happy New Year and a healthy one to you. It's quite a nice Christmas tree, isn't it? I like... There's so many good cards out nowadays. And then one here, Jane from Windsor. She says, I love your programme. I'm quite addicted. I like the idea of being quite addicted. Very addicted would be, would be better for me. Although I can't complain with the audience figures. And I suppose if there's one thing that we have to thank you for over the, uh, the last year is the huge increase in audience figures at this time. I mean, I never ever thought seriously that people would actually get up at four o'clock in the morning and listen to this programme. I, ser- I seriously didn't think it. I thought, and then I thought, well, actually, given the choice of what's on the radio, there ain't much competition. I mean, there really isn't. There's a lot of, you know, lovely people with very mellifluous voices. And uh, talking of that, I was watching one of those bid channels the other day where they've got this old Harridan on there. Bleach blonde hair, far too much makeup. Looks like she's been around the block about seven times and been out with it too. And uh, she was on there flogging things. And they, they're so stupid on some of these shopping channels, especially on the jewellery things, where they start off. And we had one yesterday, and she's got this piece of jewellery. I mean, to be honest with you, it looked like a part of old rubbish anyway. And so she's holding up, and the, the price came up of, I think, something like £2,600. And she's going, oh, this is beautiful. This is it. And listen, I'm going to do you a good deal on this, she goes, because mainly they're northern. They're quite clearly reject lap dancers. That's what they look like, because they look like they're too ugly to be seen in daylight unless you trowel on the makeup and you stick them on one of these television things where they're showcasing jewellery. And what they're flogging is cheap jewellery. When she goes, it's got 100 diamonds. It's like 100 industrial diamonds. In other words, they're worth nothing. And so this, she's got this thing, for example, £2,600. And she's holding it and she's got it on her finger. And you can tell she's had her nails done but she hasn't really looked after them properly. And they've got a couple of blokes doing it as well who shouldn't be doing it. Most of the blokes on these channels are market traders. You can tell by their spiel and the fact they've all got guts on them that means that they're market traders flogging you a pile of old tat. If you choose to buy from television programmes, you know, buy branded stuff. Buying jewellery is such a personal thing. You need to actually see it. They say, oh, no, you've got a 30-day money-back gar- money guarantee. And you think, good, we'll send it back straight away, because you won't like it. And so she's got this thing here at 2,600, and the camera's close in her hand. And they've got this ability to move their fingers, which makes them look a bit double-jointed, so that the thing can catch the light. Because with industrial diamonds, there isn't much light catching going on. They're about the size of a pinhead. So she's doing this, and she says, and I'm going to do you a special deal. And then it goes, whoosh, and the number rolls backwards. And all of a sudden you get this and it goes 600 pounds. And she goes, I can't believe it. She puts her hand over her mouth. And I'm thinking, I wish somebody put it over your throat. And so she's got the hand, the hand over her mouth. She goes, I can't believe it. 699 pounds, she goes, in this horrible northern accent. And, um, and then it goes, and it rolls back again, 69 pounds. 60, so we've gone from 2,000, and you think you're buying the biggest pile of junk you've ever seen in your life. And she goes, are you sure we can do it at that price? I'm thinking, have you rehearsed anything, or are you the bimbo we all think you are? Are you as dumb as you look? Yes. Are you patronising your audience? Yes. Why, do you, why would you say to somebody, I can't, are we doing this at the right price? Of course you are. What do you think, they've made a mistake? You seriously think, love, that you're selling something that they're selling at a loss, and they've got to pay you? Don't be stupid. That's what really annoys me about these people. They're so patronising to their audience. And then they start reading off a list of names. Peggy, Sue, Brian, you know, da-da-da, I nearly said Brian Sibley then for some reason. I don't know why. Sorry, Brian. You know, Brian and, uh, and Bavin and 
Peter and Nicholas and every, and, they, and they just make these names up that they're all queuing on the line. And if you watch the speed in which they process them, it can't be. They cannot process this fast. By the time you've called up, I mean, you know, and my card number is four. Oh, I can't read it. Four. Two, I had that one time. I had to read a card number out, and my eyes were going through a very. If you're diabetic, your eyes your eyesight changes on an, on an hourly basis, and um, and I started to read the number out. And I said, "I have to start again." I said, "Because I can't read where I've got to." Because she was repeating it back to me, and I got confused. <laughs> Oh, dear. Steve, the card might be from ex-Hollyoke hunk Gary Lucy. Oh, right. Could be. I did bump into Gary Lucy once. He's only tiny. You know, he's another one of these little people. He was in, he was in Hollyoaks, and now he's playing a, a gay character in EastEnders, I think. I think... Uh, he, was, he, was, he was everywhere. Gary Lucy was, was everywhere. He was, you know, he was one of those hunky people. I mean, I, I went through that phase as well. But, you know, it just doesn't make any difference. Um, thank you for all the people telling me that over the last couple of days there's been another person in this slot trying to impersonate me. It's ridiculous. I, I can't understand how that feels. It's, but I mean, they all say impersonation is a form of flattery. And I tell you what I got really, really annoyed with yesterday, and Daybreak do this all the time. Somebody will be in the papers through doing something really stupid, and Daybreak book them. So who do they put on yesterday? That ridiculous, pathetic person, Helen Flanagan to explain why she posted a picture of a tweet. Why give her publicity? Why would you give her publicity? She made a grovelling apology over her ill-timed gaffe, and uh, she says, I treated this picture completely carelessly, like it was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I think the stupidest thing Daybreak ever did was put somebody like you on there, love. I mean, I really did. I didn't, I didn't buy into your crocodile tears. I didn't buy into the grovelling. I just bought into the idea that you're very, very stupid. That's all. I, I didn't buy anything else. At all, I'm afraid. I wish I had, but I didn't. I see you as being somebody who is publicity-hungry. I see you as a, a person who is, is limited intelligence. I see you as... A, I, I think what we saw in I'm a Celebrity is you. You're shallow, you're vacuous, and you're stupid. And uh, we've seen that time and time again. You've made more gaffes than anybody else, and frankly, I'd be glad to see the back of you. OK, thank you very much indeed. Uh, then I watched the ghastly Cheryl Cole Access All Areas programme, where... Little Miss Dynamite from, from Newcastle paraded her new boyfriend. Don't worry, there'll be another one next year. In front of the cameras, this little, this little tray, and, uh, and came up with the, what I thought was the stupidest quote ever from a girl from Newcastle. They're rehearsing for Cheryl's little uh, arena tour, where I'm led to believe she mimed 90% of the time. She certainly couldn't have been singing live, that's a fact. And uh, she said, look, look at Trey, she said. <clears throat> He's putting 100% into it. I thought, he's an out-of-work dancer, dear. Of course he is. There's a million of them. What annoyed me about the whole thing was she went to America to recruit dancers. Why didn't she recruit over here? Yeah, they, I mean, she could have, you know, we can all do this kind of dancing, can't we? I can do it. You know, I'm a little body popper. Well, some of my body pops, the rest of it doesn't. And, uh, and she was had these people on there, and she was sort of dancing. She was a bit lame. She was very lame. He was OK, but then there's thousands of dancers like Trey in America. They're two for a penny, or over there, two a nickel. They're really cheap. They all do it. They all do the street dancing, and they learn a routine really quickly. So she puts them all on there. Cheryl just went on. Also, the fact she uses foul language. I was really a little bit disappointed. I thought, you know, you can always take the girl out of Newcastle, but you can't take Newcastle out of the girl, and she really is trailer trash. There's no two ways. Out. All right, she might look good, but then there's loads of girls who look good. Except at the Appleby Horse Fair. And there's, there's also all these sort of people up there. So she's doing a little sort of tour. Luckily, they didn't show you too much of it, so you could see through the floors. Uh, and all it was was selling Cheryl 
who's in love. And then she, another one of these ones who complains, a bit like Katie Price, who's in the papers again today. Poor old woman, old woman, takes a young boyfriend out, male stripper, well, males played male stripper, and got a, a legion of gay fans that'll go down very well with her gay friends. Little Katie Price's gay mafia will come to later. And so she's, and, and so Cheryl Cole stands there and she's picked up a copy of Closer magazine, which seems a bit stupid, so it's obviously was bought for the purposes, and says, you know, why did you print all these lies about us? You know, in a sort of butch man's type voice. And why did you print these lies about us? And all it was was the fact she was going to get married. And you think, I'm sorry, you're in the publicity business. Do you know how it works? The publicity businesses, they print rubbish about you, and then your camp... At one point, she goes to L.A. airport. It was so funny, because in, in New York, I mean, she could be parking cars. She could be selling matches on the street. Nobody knows who she is. She's nobody. Absolutely. They had to explain to the dancers, this record you're going to dance to was a big hit in Britain. You could see they look suitably impressed. Not. They're just sort of going for, for a gig. And so she gets off at the airport, and her PA in the car's going, OK, we're arriving now. Can you make sure the side door's open? She's going to run for it. And so, so Cheryl gets out and runs... One man trying to take a picture. There was nobody else there. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. One person, she said, I don't like them taking the picture. I thought, you really are as vapid and as vacuous as poor old Katie Price. Are there any publicity, are there any paps outside? No. Why? Because you've not phoned them to tell them where you are, dear. That's how it works. Nobody's interested in Katie Price anymore. She goes to Mahiki with this new boyfriend. I mean, she must have been the oldest woman in there. And drags him around like a little handbag. Again, you see, it started badly. He trailed behind her, which is, it's never good with Katie Price because, you know, she just brings another person into the bedroom and the kids go, hello, uncle, and assume that's how it works. And so she trailed him around. So in, in all the pictures, he's trailing behind her. It's a bit sad, really, for an old woman. They weren't holding hands, no. She's an old woman of 32, at least, and her new boyfriend is 25. I mean, he must be really desperate, if that's the best bit of publicity he can get, going out with Katie Price, who takes him to Mahiki. And one of the stories on the papers was, it's, I have to read it, because it made me laugh, this first bit. It said, so here they are, and it said, she was seen exiting Mahiki in the early hours of Thursday morning as she introduced her man, Candy, Kieran Haler, to her party lifestyle. Her party lifestyle, an old woman like that. I mean... God, I mean, apart from the fact it looks like a Thai lady boy in all these pictures, there is no way she's got a party lifestyle. She might have had it years ago. She's too old for it now. So her eyes start becoming hooded. Her hair looks all lank because it's not hers. And, uh, and she's, uh, she walked a few steps ahead of him as they left the club together. They say she sported heavy dark eyeshadow, a set of exaggerated lashes and a coating of lip gloss. It's a real class look, ladies and gentlemen. Mahiki must have, their standards must have dropped beyond all belief. God, they're allowing somebody like that in there. Actually, it's strange enough, it does look like Leandro is directly behind it, but that could be... It's a bit difficult to tell, actually. So, uh, here he is. He, he's actually 25. It's his five seconds of fame. Let me just warn you now, Kieran, just in case you're too stupid to realise, she'll sell you down the river like every single other one, OK? At the moment, she's walking in front because she's the star, OK? You are not the star. You're just a little bit of fluff that she's got for Christmas this year. Somebody else to introduce to the children and probably pop on a TV programme. Oh, I forgot. She doesn't have a TV programme, does she? Suffering from a dearth of publicity and small wonder as the ageing Katie Price looks more and more ludicrous in nightclubs. You can't help feeling everybody else in there is going, what in... Go Rupert, what on earth is that? They go, Katie Price. It's not. It's a Thai lady boy. They've started letting in drag. Gosh, we'll have to go somewhere else. Come on, Rupert, everybody, come on, let's go somewhere else.
You won't hang around Mahiki anymore, do you? Goodness sake, if that's the standard. 84850, uk because it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. It's the best way to start your day. I'll remind you it's 4.30. With Steve Allen. Morning! Compliments of the season. Yeah, compliments of the season. Absolutely love it. Give you a rundown in a moment of what Nick Ferrari's doing a little bit later on. So poor old Katie Price introducing her new boyfriend, who's probably been out partying a little bit more than she has in her rather tragic little lifestyle, I'm afraid, and turning up to Mahiki wearing, as I say, an outfit that just makes her look cheap. And it's a shame, really. You know, she's, she's got children. I'm not saying she has to stay at home with the children all the time. But uh, God knows what the kids are going to think. Look at his mummy with another person. His mummy staggering out of another club. You know, so many hours later. He apparently bought a box for it at the, uh, at the Bodyguard. Not the greatest musical in town, it has to be said. And he bought a box for her, presumably because she couldn't get herself into a seat. And she said, oh, he's treating me like a princess. Oh, dear. Kieran doesn't bode well, love. Not looking well for the future, but never mind. You know, Leandro, we warned, and he's now realising how vile she is. Uh, Peter Andre knows how vile she is. I think just about everybody. Alex Reed knows how vile she is. The only person who doesn't realise how vile she is are the little hanger-oners that she's got who have to hang on because, let's face it, if she laid into them, oh, she'd have a field day. Oh, she'd have an absolute field day. Um, what have we got in the Express today? New pain for Robert Peston as burglars snatch his late wife's rings. How can, the trouble is they probably weren't to know. We just another house to be burgled. But isn't it, isn't it awful that people would ever do something like that? You feel like stringing them up from local lampposts, I'm afraid. Oh, yes, I knew I was going to tell you earlier on. I was tweeting yesterday, and I couldn't remember what the... Uh, what the response was. That's right, I was sort of, sort of getting better. This rest thing is great. Terrible TV and no talking. Roll on the weekend. And everybody agreed with me. Everybody has agreed that the television is absolutely dire during the daytime. And apparently, it's going to be repeats, repeats, repeats. Four hours of repeats on BBC One. Forty years ago, there were no repeats on Christmas Day. This year... Drama accounts for 80% more programming than in 92. The Queen's Speech has been broadcast every year since, <coughs> excuse me, 1957. Uh, another one here. A lot of people advising chicken soup. Thank you. Jewish penicillin. Yes, we know. Um, Susan Phillips said she felt very sorry for me this morning. Uh, Gillian Cameron says, uh, glad you're better. At least you can still tweet. But the only thing you can do, isn't it, really, I suppose, Gillian? It's the only thing you can do. But thank you very much for, uh, for that one and for everybody else as well. I'll try, and, I'll try and read every single tweet that comes through, which is good. Wet, 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 wet. That's the forecast, I'm afraid, over the next few days. So be warned. And what is stupid is that the RAC and the AA had to say to people yesterday, and the emergency services, they were on the television. They, they were saying... Do not go out in this... You know, people try to drive through fords in the New Forest. They're lethal. The water rushes through. At one point, there was a Porsche, and you could see the top of the car under the waters, and the windscreen wipers were still going. And they had to rescue a man and his son from there, or it could be man and daughter. Whatever it is, if there is rain about, and you're in an area that is prone to flooding, and has got flooding, and I'm looking at pictures here of Wallington where there's a, a wall which has got a crack in it. Once the crack comes through, whoosh, it's in your garden, and there is no accounting for the damage that it can do. And people take their cars out and think it's clever to drive through, a, you know, a flooded river. And you think, are you stupid? If I was the emergency services, I'd be standing there going, listen, we told you not to drive in it, you were stupid enough to go out, you've got to, you know, you suffer yourself, I'm afraid. Nottingham, exactly the same, severe flooding at Sway in Hampshire. 
Not good at all. Not good. Um, who's going to win Strictly Come Dancing? Who cares? I think is the answer. Uh, and they've got here Denise Van Outen. She's so professionally showbiz. It's an embarrassment. You know, she should win it. She's a professional. And also Kimberly. These people have appeared in professional West End shows doing dancing and singing. So, in fact, you know, it's, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Not good enough. Uh, <clears throat> the Hillsborough families will get legal aid, so that's good news. And a golfer who sunk two holes in one. Fantastic. Uh, TV campaigner Esther Ranson said she understood why public faith in the BBC has been destroyed, but insisted the corporation can rise from the ashes. Uh, she wrongly accused... She was wrongly accused of failing to act on a hearing that Jimmy Savile was a paedophile, says the Beeb let down millions by ditching an expose of the disgraced DJ. I don't know why they keep asking Esther Ranson anything. She's 72. She's 72. You know, if she hadn't heard the rumours about Jimmy Savile, well, then she must have been living on another planet. Because I didn't even work for the BBC and I'd heard about them. They were rife, rife in the business. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Frederick Forsyth. <coughs> uh, he says the musical that's out of tune with girl power. He said, years ago, on television, I caught a clip of a now quintet of girl singers aiming for success in the tricky shoals of showbiz. They styled themselves the Spice Girls. There was one at the end of the line called Victoria Adams, a pretty little thing, I thought, but with a problem, she couldn't sing or dance. Sounded like a lady hawking fish off Lowestoft Dock. Never mind, I thought, we all have to make a living. Later, she became Mrs Beckham, but had adopted the odd soubriquet of Posh Spice. And the other night, I caught a TV clip of a new musical called Viva Forever, a recitation of the Spice Girls' songs together. I'm still not sure any of them could sing. Oh, well, he says, 10 out of 10 to someone for brilliant typecasting. Because even Jerry Halliwell said on The X Factor, she said, not everybody in the Spice Girls could sing. And then laughingly said at the end of it, I can now sing. Well, I don't think you can. I don't think you can at all. And quite rightly, Victoria Beckham couldn't sing. And if you watch the video of... I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. She's prancing around at the back like a ninny, but not once does she get any lead vocals because she couldn't sing quite clearly. And as she said, she only became Posh Spice after the group became famous. Up until then, she started... She was called Posh Spice, but she didn't live up to it. And then she started playing. Her dad's an electrician. He, he took him to school in a second-hand Rolls-Royce. You know, that's why she was called Posh. They weren't po The family are very, very ordinary. They'd be the first one to admit they're very, very, very ordinary. I know, because I've had them all in the studio. They're very, very ordinary. There's nothing posh about them at all. They'd be the first ones to admit it. Uh, Peston's a lovely guy, didn't deserve that. Yeah, but, I mean, how do you know? If you're a burglar, you break into a house, you probably don't know whose house it is. Uh, Lisa <coughs> says, have a great Christmas. It's only a mild cough, have you noticed? Wait a minute. Mmm. Cold cup of tea, oh, lovely. Not as exciting, is it, really? Uh, I watched a lovely programme about Claridge's. Some rooms were £6,500 a night. Did you see it says carrot? No. Six, that's cheap, 6500 I know rooms in hotels that would cost you upwards of a quarter of a million. A quarter of a million. Yeah, not in this country. A quarter of a million pounds for a hotel room. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're dealing with a different market. I mean, if, if you're a travel lodge kind of person, or a premier inn... Or, you know, something like that. Well, then you're, you're, you're sort of looking at under 100 quid a night. <coughs> but if you're looking at <coughs> Claridge's and some £6,500 a night, some of their rooms would go up to ten, twenty thousand. 20000 If you want a suite at Claridge's, if you're looking for a serious suite, you could be looking up to 40000 quid a night, I would have thought. Quite easily. And for that, you're, you're getting the very best. 
Most hotels don't like to tell you what their royal suite costs, but it's for visiting dignitaries. You're not going to be, you know, Obama comes over and stays at Cloudy. He's not going to be an 120 quid a room, you know, 120 quid a night room, is he? Or even six and a half thousand pounds, because he would take an entire floor. I think when the Sultan of Brunei comes over, he owns the Dorchester. His entourage takes up an entire floor in the hotel. And they've got their own exit and entrance. But it's his own hotel. He can do what he wants. Come in and out. So that's how it works. So it's six and a half thousand quid a night. It's not for us. We're just workers. You know, I mean, I, I would never... Even if, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't spend six and a half thousand quid a night. I'd rather rent a house. It'd be cheaper, wouldn't it? But even houses. Let's face it. You're actually looking at uh, Wimbledon. You can spend up to thirty, forty thousand pounds a week renting a house in Wimbledon. That's why a lot of people in Wimbledon, when the tennis is on, rent it out to the visiting celebrities. Because it's cheaper for them to stay in a house than in a hotel, and they're just on the, on the doorstep there. Morning, Treacle. First day from Bermondsey. I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you. And uh, Lynn says, talking of stupidity, uh, my mother is finding it easier now to shop online for her groceries, along with the rest of the shopping she'd also ordered instead of a bag of Brussels. Instead, she got a bag with just, uh, with just one. 84850, steve at And uh, another one here, as we weave everything in. And uh, this is somebody who's a bit mentally ill, I think. They think they work in a betting shop. They don't work in a betting shop at all, I'm afraid. They're, this is uh, this is an ex, uh, an ex-sado person who doesn't work in a betting shop at all. They just, they believe that they do. They're that, you know, not their, not their fault, really, I suppose. Uh, Dortmund Don <clears throat> says, you're a star for anyone's Christmas tree. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, you're right says Annie, about the bid-up TV. The postage is seven ninety nine for each item. So, in other words, if they go, and today it's a penny, and it'll be some stupid, cheap little bracelet. And, of course, they're making all the money on the postage. They charge you seven ninety nine for postage, for a cheap little bracelet that you can put in a, th- a threepenny jiffy bag and post it off for 10p, and they're charging you eight quid. So, in other words, you'd have to be pretty dumb, wouldn't you, to buy anything from bid that's only a penny. You know, look at what it is. And if it's a little tiny cheap bracelet, you're paying £8. £8 for that. It's worth less than 50p. So don't waste your time and money. Check very carefully on bid. Them and another channel, seven ninety nine per item to send it. So if it's something cheap, they go, oh, look, we've got this marvellous little ring here. Look at that. And I tell you, I'm going to do it for a penny. You think, no, you've just spent eight quid. Eight quid. Why would you buy that? You'd have to be stupid. Stupid. There's no, no big deals on there at all, I'm afraid. What they're flogging off is, is a pile of old rubbish. What they're flogging off is, uh, is a rubbish. A pile of rubbish. Uh, 84850, uk. Now I found out, says Paul Anthony Turner's on Dancing on Ice. I'll leave the country for six weeks. Well, you've only just found out. I mean, it's been rumoured for the past four weeks, so perhaps you're a little bit slow where you are. Another one here. Mrs Beckham is as posh as Steptoe's Yard. They were quite posh, weren't they? They were quite posh. So let's find out what else. <coughs> Justin Bieber. I'm not, I can't get Justin Bieber at all. I don't quite... He's a funny little thing, isn't he? He's a little Canadian. I've seen, <coughs> excuse me, little clips of him on the television with these songs. And I can't remember what his hit single was called. Baby, baby. That's right. But he's another one who stands... And I'm looking at him thinking, you're slightly peculiar. It's appealing to prepubescent girls who stand there going, we love you, Justin. But they were probably the same girls who were shouting, we love you at Bross. 
and, uh, and at the Bay City Rollers and at the Beatles. Everybody over the years has been shouting things. It was interesting looking at Cheryl Cole's audience the other night. Most of them looked like they were slightly deranged. You know, slightly a bit of a worry. It's like turning up to a Katie Price book signing. Ooh, there's a scary line. They look like they're all at the remand home. It's good, actually. Uh, 84850, uk. I'm so worried about Simon Cowell's face. I'm so worried about it. It just looks... Well, he's had... I think he's had injections in it to... You know, you know when you, <clears throat> you... Well, we won't know this, but... Excuse me. It's a little bit of water. When you sort of get a little bit older, um, <clears throat> you get some lines in your face, and so you have fillers put in which take the lines out. And I think he's had too many. It's made his eyes go all piggy. Doesn't quite look right. Excuse me. And uh, I'm looking at this picture here. <clears throat> he looks bloated. He looks bloated. And he shouldn't do, because he's only... Um, He's 50-something, isn't he? He's 50-something. He's but he, he just... He doesn't look right. He doesn't look like Simon. It looks like they brought in somebody else. Perhaps he's a looky-likey. Here's a Romanian crook, a gangster, Leonid Rotaru. They all look gay, all these Romanian gangsters to me. I tell you, there's something about them. And uh, he was spared jail for his part in a £3 million bank card fraud. He was widely expected to be locked up after admitting fraud by attaching card skimmers to ATM machines... And um, he was sentenced to 18 months' imprisonment, suspended for two years. Are the judges particularly thick and stupid in this country? What's the point? What is they found details when they raided his home of 9,000 bank cards. 9,000. And we've spared him jail. Do you know, this judge here must be a stu- I hope he gets robbed, this judge, because it's just ridiculous. What is the point of having people? He ordered him to carry 150 hours of community service. Oh, how pathetically stupid. Was it because it's Christmas, Your Honour? Or are you just barking mad? Three million pounds he's raked in. The average fraud per card is about 460 quid. He's raked in three million and you've given him community service. Makes you sick, doesn't it, in this country? It really does. I mean, you could see him quite clearly in the footage skimming from a card skimmer. And the police, he actually told police he was at the bottom end of the operation and that the big boys operated out of London. Who cares? Who cares? Big boys, little boys, stupid boys. Lock him up, take away the key and make him stay there forever. Bloody hell, what do you have to do in this country to get locked up? Answer, nothing at all. They don't lock you up at all. You can be the biggest fraudster going. He goes, community service. Community service, I think, for you. Ridiculous. Quarter to five. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I love the idea. Somebody said London hotels are a rip-off. That's why people sleep in doorways. Duh. <laughs> I think it's different. Oh, guess who's died? Laurie Barrett died. He was the man who brought you Barrett Holmes. He used to fly in with a helicopter, and uh, he was 85. I never thought they were much cop, actually, Barrett Holmes. I don't know why. I always thought they were like Tesco's, you know, build it up, flog it cheap kind of thing. And under his leadership, they brought home ownership within the grasp of many people. And then, strangely enough, uh, Sir Laurie and Lady Barrett's son, Peter, followed in his uh, father's footsteps to open garden centres, now part of the Wyvale group. I like Wyvale. I've been to their garden centres. But Barrett Holmes, I never had much time for, I'm afraid. But there is a story in the paper today... If proof were needed that parents are particularly stupid, here is the classic case. How would you feel? There you are, you're a teacher. And you've got a pupil in school and he's a bit unruly. Uh, Not just unruly, this particular pupil has been suspended four times in the first year. 
four times. He's just been expelled from school, and he's been throwing school equipment around. He's been biting and punching pupils and staff. He's quite clearly a vile child. And why? He's five years old, and he's been expelled. And his parents, quite clearly, you know, as dumb as they are, stupid, have come out and gone, oh, of course, he's been thrown on the scrap heap. They say at home, not that they know because they're separated, um, he, he actually punched his female... Oh, sorry. He punched his female teacher in the face, a five-year-old. Well, I tell you, this is a result of bad upbringing. This is a result of a very, very... I could tell you a story, but I can't, of, of a celebrity's child who was so misbehaved at school... Uh, that they had to write to the parents saying, you better start bringing them up properly, because it was a disruption to the rest of the class. It was that bad. This five-year-old is pictured with his parents, Logan Steed. He comes from Witham in Essex. His outraged parents, who quite clearly are too dumb for words, have got, you know, if you were the teacher and you're punched in the face by a five-year-old, you would be hard-pushed not to smack him in the face back, wouldn't you? Why should teachers have to put up with that? His parents claim the school have simply thrown him on the scrap heap. They haven't given him the special attention that he needs, and it's said at home he's a happy, polite kid. Well, quite clearly, quite clearly, he's not at school. He's a nasty... He's, I mean, surely they must realise, the parents of Logan, unless they are particularly dim, that their child has already been suspended four times for throwing school equipment around. He's a very, very unruly child. He's had bad parenting. And quite clearly, as happens in a lot of cases, when you've got parents who are separated... One parent does one thing, the other parent does something else. The kid hasn't got the faintest idea of what is right or wrong and seriously believes that you can punch somebody in the face. No more. And the school have said quite clearly that, you know, under education guidelines, badly behaved children, and for that read, badly behaved parents, can be excluded from school, sometimes permanently. They have every right to appeal and they've said they're unlikely to do so. I bet they bloomin' are. I bet they bloomin' are. They know exactly what their son is capable of. You know, oh, at home he's a polite little child. What a load of old cobblers. You know, kids do not change from here to there. They're like it. And if you've got two parents who quite clearly can't agree about things, an Essex County Council spokesman quite rightly said, we can't discuss individual cases, but it has to go so far before they will actually exclude a child completely and expel them. And at five years old, you punch a teacher in the face, you're going to get your comeuppance. You can almost see this poor kid's life mapped out. Parents who, you know, go, Ooh, mustn't do this. So in other words, the parents have now started arguing and had him exposed to the full force of the press. You know, a nasty child, parents who are sitting there, you know, who can't even get their own lives together. How on earth do you expect the kid to know? He's, he spends a bit of time here, a bit of time there, a bit of time at school, and he behaves badly. Why? Because there's no stability in his life. He's got nothing apart from moaning, moaning, blooming parents. It's a disgrace. And I should imagine the rest of the kids in the school are quite delighted that the nasty little boy has been excluded. Five years old, punch... I've never heard of such a thing. Punching a teacher in the face. What sort of... Filth is that just disgusting? Eight four eight five O Steve of LBC uk. No, you're wrong. No good guessing who the uh, who the celebrity's child is. You wouldn't guess in a million years. You wouldn't guess in a million years. And uh, Simon Cowell now looks like a, a wax model of himself. It it doesn't look right. I mean, unless they're badly taken pictures. I've had a good look at them. And I've looked in, and there's a, a picture on the front of the mirror. You won't miss it this morning. It, perhaps he's been away for a long time, and we've missed him. But it definitely, perhaps his face will settle. Gordon Ramsay has turned up the heat on Jamie Oliver. Say, 
It gets better, this one. This gets better. An argument between Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver. Wait for it. What do you think Gordon Ramsay has said about Jamie Oliver? Oh, no. He said here he's too fat to lecture Americans about diets and he needs a good wash. <gasps> that's a horrid thing to say. He is quite chubby, though. But that's not, that doesn't matter. Listen, lots of chefs on the television are chubby. It's an occupational hazard. As you get, it's like all the people, you know, I work with a lot of people who go to the gym, you know, because it's like, it's OK at the moment, you know, because they want to be buff. The moment they stop going, they will bloat like there's no tomorrow. And that's the day I go, ha, and I laugh. I laugh at people who go to gyms because they only do it temporarily. They do it and they go, yeah, my body looks good. You know, look sideways in the mirror. There's no sort of, you know, fat or anything there. And you can hold your stomach in. It looks nice. And, you know, you can sort of stick your little chest out. And it's great. But the moment they stop going to the gym, <laughs> they balloon. They balloon. And you can spot them a mile off. They look like me. They look like me. And I don't care because I'm always going to look the same. In fact, it'd be ridiculous if I now lost weight. Because I'd have loads of excess skin and I'd look a bit freaky. So there's no point in even going down that route. But I do love when people go to the gym. I mean, I'm a little bit envious. I will not deny to you the fact that, you know... Some of the people I work with, nobody at the moment, but some of the people I work with can look a bit buff, you know, because they go to the gym. But there's a couple of people in the office go to the gym and, frankly, they're wasting their time. They're still ugly when they come back. It doesn't make any difference. You know, they might, they might have a good body below the neck, but, frankly, you know, get the head transplanted. You know, try and make yourself look attractive. And that's all it's done for. It's done for vanity. It's done for vanity. And also the addiction to going. You're, apparently, you work out on the equipment and you get these endomorphins. And apparently it's, you know, it gets you going and you get a bit pumped up and you look at other people's bodies and you're a bit buff. You know, and you go, yeah, I think my body looks better than yours. And then we're constantly surrounded, especially at Christmas, with all these adverts on the television, which are, which are telling you how to get this six-pack. And you look at these people and you think, you've never had an ounce of fat on you in your life. You're just one of these people. It's like dancers. Every day they get a workout. You know, Trey Holloway, in about a year's time, will be a fat, bloated dancer because he won't be working. Because dancers hardly ever work. We don't want to be stuck with him in this country. He's an American. You know, he needs to go back to America and get some gigs in. Because they don't earn a lot of money. He wouldn't have earned very much money for doing Cheryl's tour. Luckily, she's obviously sort of, you know, paying for him, which is great. Because he keeps turning up in all these sort of poncy clothes. And I'm thinking, you're a dancer. All you've got is, is tracksuits and a bomber jacket. It's like people who go to the gym. Have you noticed they always go in tracksuit bottoms? So tracksuit bottoms, and then we come out and we look buff. You know, and if they're a bodybuilder, even worse, because you know they're on steroids, because they can't actually put their legs together. So they walk a little bit like that. A little bit like that. And they've got sort of a V-shaped. Come on, you've seen bouncers on the doors of places. Look at the size of their legs. That's the first you're going to look at. Look at the size of their legs. Enormous legs, like sequoias. And they can't actually bring them together. And they've always got a big belt that goes around their waist. They've got the tracksuit bottoms and a big wide belt on there. Uh, 84850, LBC. Uh, .co.uk. If you ch- call a child Logan, you can expect trouble, says Marion Croydon. I quite like the name Logan. I don't like disruptive children. The trouble is, many parents listening will say, listen, you get the terrible twos, the terrible threes, the terrible fours, the terrible fives, and it goes all the way up to ten, twelve, or whatever. And, um, it's, it's just one of these things. When you get a child who is so disruptive they've been excluded four times, they've quite clearly got something the matter with them. And as a teacher... When you've got a child who throws things around, and the trouble is, other children would encourage it. They'd all go, ah, and they'll all be clapping and everything like that. And the teacher needs to stamp on it. And then this vile child, and there is such a thing as vile children, ladies and gentlemen, punches her in the face. That, as far as I'm concerned, 
is the is the end of the matter. You get this child out of school now, or I'm taking Essex County Council to court for allowing me to be subjected to this kind of thing. I absolutely agree. Uh, 84850, uh, uh Gordon Ramsay needs to look in the mirror. He's, uh, he's ugly. No, he's absolutely not. He's just stupid. Of course he's not. Claudia. He's deeply, deeply attractive, and he's fantastic. He's also very, very fit. He's just about to do another triathlon, I believe, recycling, and then he does something, then he does a marathon. He is super fit. He, he was a professional football player. He's absolutely buff. Absolutely buff. So, you know, just leave off him, Claudia, right? Or I'm coming around to sort you out, you old woman. Dreadful person. Uh, another one here that says, uh, another one here. This is from uh, somebody going to Cornwall. You're welcome to it. Uh, Judith, I have to agree, most TV at present is rubbish. It's all, it's all um, I'm afraid, it's all just repeats. ITV2 showed the thing the other day, and it was, what did they show the other day? It was, um, oh, it was the ITV2 pantomime, which was a bit stupid. And it was, it was a bit lame, because it's about four years old, this pantomime, and they're still showing it. And I, I don't believe it at all. It's, you know, come up with something new. ITV2 have got another programme where they're going to be putting on, apparently, I forget what it's called now, but I, 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 I knew that there was something the matter, because my screen was immediately taken up with the whole of Gemma Collins, who they've pitched up, somebody who thinks she's a celebrity. But if proof were needed that the cast of The Only Way is Essex are as thick as two short planks, they pitched up on a celebrity family fortunes with Gordon... Uh, not Gordon, with, um, uh, what's his name? Verdon Kay, who can't present a programme for Toffee. Why they're allowing him to do the Tom Daly programme, I've got no idea. Never had a hit programme in his life. Really bad. Might look good, but he was, a, he was a male model. But he can't present quiz shows. It's absolutely rubbish. Absolute rubbish. So they've got this, um, The Only Way is Essex cast. Who do they put on? Joey Essex, who really is stupid. You've got, they had Chloe on there. Dumb, I'm afraid. Nanny Pat... Really not all there, is she, in the head? Uh, Arge was only on there because we needed somebody to point and laugh at. And Mark Wright. And, you know, they didn't know anything. They were up against the cast of Benidorm. The cast of Benidorm just laughed them off the screen because they were funny. At one point they said, something you do with turkey after Christmas Day. And Joey Essex went, eat it. I mean, he's that. He, they had to repeat the question to him because he didn't understand it first time round. He is ultimately thick, and luckily they were kicked off. They were kicked. It was just awful. It was an embarrassment, an embarrassment. I don't know why they bother putting these people on the television at all. Uh, Joyce said uh, a while ago, you mentioned the one hotel you did regard highly was the uh, hotel in Maspalomas. Was it the Grand? No, wait a minute. Where did we stay? At Mass Palomas. We stayed in two in Mass Palomas. But no, sorry, there's one. It's right at the very, very end. It was it was absolutely wonderful hotel. Wonderful. No no chavs. Oh no, you don't get any chavs in Mass Palomas. That's the posh bit. All the chavs are a bit further up the coast. You don't need to worry about them. But you drive through the chavs to get to this uh, lovely hotel. It's called the Rio Grande. R I U. It's the Rio Group. Mass Palomas. You went, I didn't think you'd find a better hotel at the price with really, really good food. But I've not been there for years. News is next. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
gags in the news bulletins now. We've got people, aliens hiding in a mountain. That's, I read that yesterday. Isn't it funny how some people believe certain things? And you say the reason that this, this mountain is sacred is that there's aliens hiding in the middle of it. And you begin, a small wonder people drink nowadays. There is no, and so I love the idea that Sam said, you know, if this Mayan thing is correct, this could be the last bulletin I'm reading. I'm hoping to go through till 6.30 myself. <laughs> but if, of course, it doesn't work out, it's been nice knowing you. Thank you for making this programme very, very successful. Thank you for adding to the figures year on year on year on year. Woo, we wiped the floor with everybody. Uh, 84850. Uh, Robin says, I've got some good news for you, Steve. I have spoken to my dad in Thailand and a friend in New Zealand, and I can assure your listeners that the world hasn't ended. Downside, that huge pile of sprouts still needs peeling. Thank you for that. Yes, we're having to check around the world. We, we appear to be still here. We appear to be still here, which is, uh, which is good news. And uh, Mark says, apparently my show is on at three in the afternoon in Melbourne. Which must sound a little bit strange, mustn't it? He said, a far more civil time for us mere mortals. How do you find the 4am start? Easy peasy. Easy peasy. You just get used. It's something you get used to. I love it when, when people say, oh, I don't know how you could get... London's a 24-hour city. You'd have to be pretty stupid. To ever write to somebody and say, oh, I don't know how you get up at this time of the morning, because quite clearly anybody who writes that is up at that time of the morning themselves. Unless you're particularly stupid and you write it and then go back to sleep again. But um, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. It's, London is a 24-hour city. It's like saying to people who work in casinos, oh, how do you stay awake till 2 o'clock in the morning? You go, because that's what I do for a living. There are people who are probably finishing in casinos now and they're going home, or people who are getting up to start in casinos now. People who are delivering bread, people who are delivering milk, people who, you know, people who get up normally and do these things. That's what we do. It's a different world. People say, oh, it's the twilight world. I assure you, London is, is, is certainly not twilight at this time of the morning. There's a few people who look a bit odd, wandering around, but you can't help them. They're here most of the time. Uh, payday today, says Holly. No, no, no. Payday yesterday. We had payday yesterday. I know that because I got a phone call from the bank saying, uh, I thought your money was in Friday, but it's in today. I thought, yeah, quickly. Rush to the cash point, take it out in case the world finishes. Uh, we wanted to get tickets from Miranda at the O2 for my mum for Christmas. Is it true the tour's in 2014, says Holly? Apparently so. So people were saying yesterday. I don't know because I wouldn't be buying tickets from Miranda. I like Miranda, but I'm not into, uh, not into sort of buying tickets a year. I don't know what I'm going to be doing a year away. I really don't know. Uh, Carol says, we don't need Christmas television. We can podcast you. It is true, you can. If you haven't learned how to podcast, then you have to go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And best wishes for a happy, healthy Christmas. Big thank you to Noreen, little Julie, Neil, Lindsley, and all the uh, FB gang have become such a delightful group of friends, all because of you, Steve. Now, uh, you see, we've done something useful. We've done something nice. They've all brought food in today, apparently. They don't eat on the news desk. So they're having a bring food in day. Not me. Uh, read the Porsche in the Ford. No pun intended. It was like dad taking s daughter to school in a hurry. Brains and money, says Ray. Bit like celebs and talent. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I say celebs and talent. It's now so bad in this country that the best that they can come up with on celeb family fortunes is the Anyways Essex, a group of people so thick... They, they, they live their lives on the television and sadly believe that they're of any interest to people. But, of course, they're not. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. I was once a minicab driver over ten years ago when I picked up a young mother and small child, about five. When they got into the back of the car, the child stood in between the two front seats. When I asked the kid to sit down, he head-butted me on the nose. 
All I could hear was laughter from the mother. I said a few choice words, and now she was a rubbish mother and kicked her out. Badly behaved children. I've got no time for badly behaved children. It's like children in restaurants running around all over the place. Drives me distraction. I don't... I'm sorry I don't put up with that. What you have to do... Parents need to educate themselves to educate the children. So when we went out, and it goes back to parents leaving kids home alone... You don't ever leave kids home alone. I don't care who you are, whether you're the McCanns or it doesn't matter, anybody else. They're a high-profile family who left a kid alone. If that had been, as we said at the time, you know, a woman from a council estate in Peterborough, she'd have been dragged through the press because they're a middle-class couple. It was apparently, you know, not their fault that they left three children alone on a complex. We never did that. You never... I know parents who were horrified. Horrified that people would ever leave kids alone. You go to a restaurant, you take them. They fall asleep, they fall asleep. At least you take them out. You, le- you educate them from an, from an early age. Steve, did you see the celebrity juice when Joey Essex was given a quiz? He was asked the following, how many sides has a square? Joey said six. What borders Wales? Joey said Russia. He also didn't know where Danish bacon came from. Hilariously thick. The trouble is, it's sadly pathetic, isn't it? Him and his dumb sister, you know, a whole family full of, full of thickos. I mean, it's, there's not really a lot you can say about that. And uh, my friend uh, Jason is moving today. Is moving today, which is quite nice. Ooh, which is uh, wonderful. And uh, is in a white van. Uh-oh, white van. And uh, he says, um, I'm, I'm going to be seeing you on the 7th of January. I'll be the lost little boy with no friends and a backpack. Oh, Oh, Jason. Send me a nice bit. We'll, we'll speak later. We shall speak later. No worries. Regarding Logan, I blame the school. They quite clearly don't know how to handle a child just wanting attention. Sadly misunderstood, says Jim in Brentford. Another child on the scrap heap. Bad parenting, as far as I'm concerned. Why should, why should the school have to educate the child in, in social skills? They're there to educate the child for the intelligence. Not there to sort of, you know, be social workers, as far as I'm concerned. Terrible. Um, in the last two years, they keep repeating Cinderella with... Uh, Hilary Duff, Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp, and The Mummy. They must have been on at least ten times each. Is that what I pay my TV licence fee for? Uh, well, Cinderella is on ITV. You don't pay your licence fee. You pay that to the BBC. It's a BBC fee that goes to them. So they can't have anything to do with that. I think the other programmes are also on ITV. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here says, I'm scared now... You come to sort me out over Gordon Brown. I'll wait. This is silly old Claudia again. Poor old soul, honestly. Can't help it. Never mind. Not all there in the brain department. And uh, another one. It says, uh, love the programme. Going to be listening all over Christmas. And uh, and Beth says, is another one, not in the real world, I'm afraid. Oh, actually, it's not Beth at all. It's Paul in Surbiton, obviously. Well, Greg, a serving soldier. He's obviously quite clearly barking mad. What else does he come up as? Greg, Paul, Simon, Sid. Oh, dear. You've really got quite a few screws loose, haven't you? You have got quite a few screws loose. Not all there. You must be quite worrying. Still on the benefits, I'm assuming. You've got that many names you're claiming for. Uh, Everybody talking about the apocalypse. No, everybody decided that it wasn't going to happen, I'm afraid. And uh, another one here. Uh... Da, da, da. Ramsey never played pro football. He was exposed as a Desert Island Disc liar. No, he did play football. I've got photographs of him. I've got photographs of him. So nothing you can do about that one. He did play football, and he's a fantastic... Absolutely love him. Absolutely love Gordon Ramsay. Couldn't get... Uh, this is from somebody called Jay in Thurrock, who was born in Norfolk. 
And you know how dumb they are in Norfolk, don't you? Thicker, 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 thicker. Further up the country you go, the worse it gets, I'm afraid. Uh, Dortmund Don says, track suits, we're suited and booted. <laughs> it's true, actually. Every suited and booted. All my drivers in the morning, suited and booted. Uh, Tony says, I'm a casino manager in the West End, going to work now around the corner from you. Uh, somebody says, you're getting free meals from Ramsey. Of course I am. Of course I am getting everything free. I don't pay for nothing, mate. Don't pay for nothing. Don't pay for anything. Get it all for free, which is great. And that's, and that's John, who's, uh, who's a jealous... But you mustn't be jealous, John. I hate it when people are jealous about people. You know, you want to get out there. Uh, he's doing the Ironman triathlon, says Bridget. He is fit. He was talking about it on the television the other day. You've got to be fit for that. That's a 2.4-mile swim in the sea, 112-mile cycling, and a marathon distance run. Miranda's tour is 2014. How far would you walk? How far would you... I don't know what the... I don't know. Bridget, how long would it take you to do... Actually, Gary would probably know. How long would it take you to do the Ironman triathlon? How long would that take? You've got to be super fit for that. You know, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here, which says, uh, love the programme. Our payday was the 7th. We're paid over four weeks. Yeah, right. Which is lovely. Uh, we, we get paid now, but just remember, it's a long, long gap until you get paid again. A long, long gap until you get paid again. Uh, 84850, uk. Okay, I met my uh, girlfriend in Epping. For first date, we went to Unico. Six years later, we tried Wildwood. What a letdown. Yes, it's nowhere near as good. Nowhere near as good. Unico was very good. Everybody went to Unico, but uh, sadly not uh, Les anymore, I'm afraid. It's now turned into Wildwood. We went there. We, we tried Wildwood with the family. It was OK. The staff were trying. The food just wasn't up to it. It just wasn't up to it. You know, Unico, it was fantastic. Why he closed it, I've got no idea. Why he closed it? It was the best place in Epic. Everybody went there. Absolutely everybody. It was, it was the best place around. We've tried loads of places, and that was one of the best. Um, it's supposed to end, this uh, thing, at 11.11. I thought we'd explained yesterday. I thought that... Um, I'm sure that Sam Pittis said that this was the Mayan calendar. It's their calendar that ends, and then it's the start of a new, a new beginning. So it's not the world finishes, it's just that their particular calendar finishes. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're barking mad and you believe that kind of rubbish, well, then you deserve everything you get. Oh, but it does finish for you today. Of course, for some people listening at the moment, it probably will. It probably will. You know, today will be your last day. Don't know what sort of people. Yes, yeah, so Merry Christmas. Open the presents early. I love opening presents early, which is good. I love opening presents early. I don't see why I should have... Because some people will be opening them on the 24th, won't they? I think a lot of people from Eastern Europe open on the 24th. Scandinavians do it. Polish people do the 24th. That's their, their Christmas. Whereas I reckon if you play your cards right, you can open them on the 24th and the 25th. And if you're very lucky, have enough presents left over for the 26th. Does anybody have 26th presents? Yeah. Tree presents on the 26th. Your, your tree gives you a present which I, I like. Totally agree about the children, says Paul. The parents can never see any wrong in their little darlings. Only the other day, my niece's three-year-old came back from nursery and had been bitten on the cheek by a little lad who's a serial biter and has apparently been thrown out of every council-run nursery in the area. The mother and her partner, who have two others, seem to have a mantra. Boys will be boys, which they basically repeat whenever their brat is accused of anything. The council have said by law... They have to give this child preschool. If they don't, they can be dragged to court. So what's the answer? Yesterday, 
en route to Manchester for city centre, an already crowded bus I was on, complete with three pushchairs, stopped to let more passengers on. Head of the queue, a large lady with a twin buggy, which was akin to a chieftain tank. As she went to get on, the bus driver politely told her he couldn't fit the buggy on as the trolley allowance had been reached. She let rip with a stream of racist abuse and then ended up with the usual, you're picking on me because I'm black. Ten minutes, he said, we were sitting at the stop. I like that idea, actually. Ten minutes sitting there and stop while somebody has a rant. I sometimes go, oh, dear, get on with it. It's like people put their cards up and he goes, beep, beep, beep. Doesn't work. Beep, beep. It's not working. Go and put some money on your Oyster card. Morning, 21 minutes past uh, five. Now, apparently, Bridget says in 2010, because she knows these things, the winning man completed the Iron Man uh, in eight hours, 10 minutes and 37 seconds. It will take Gordon Ramsay much longer than that, I imagine. It's still something, though, isn't it? I mean, that is still something to actually do. I mean, that is a hell of a lot. That's two and a half miles swim in the sea, 112 miles of cycling and a marathon. You've got to be so, so fit to do that. So, so fit. And um, I don't know how anybody ever manages. You know, I know we've got a lot of listeners who enter triathlons. Gary, who's got a job looking after, let's call them undesirables. Uh, he does all these marathons and triathlons. And I mean, I don't know how people have got the stamina. Never used to do it. When he first started listening, he didn't do it. Now, of course, he does it. You know, quite a lot. And I suppose it's the same as anything. When I first started doing walking, and I haven't walked to Richmond for ages, I've been quite late. Also, who wants to walk in the winter? Who wants to walk in the winter? It's dead boring. And so in the summer, when you first start walking to Richmond, it's about two miles. And it's like exhausting. You get there and think that. Next day, it becomes a little bit easier. By the end of the week, you're doing it as like a stroll in the park. It's the, it's the simplest thing imaginable. But there's no way I could ever do an Ironman triathlon. There was not, I mean, under, <laughs> nothing, nothing would ever encourage me at all. Oh, Gary's popped up as well. He says, Ironman, an elite pro, will complete, that's, that's what they call it, Bridget, an elite pro, will complete in just under nine hours. Mere mortals have a cut-off time of 16. He says, I have my place booked for my first half iron distance in July, which actually falls on my 50th birthday. 50th birthday, Gary, it can't be possible. 50th birthday, God doesn't look 50 at all. We look at the pictures. Who are we looking at the pictures of yesterday who was 75 and who didn't look 75? Dr. Miriam Stoppard. And we were going, she looks 50. Looks 50. Gary looks about 30. But he's, he's a lot fitter. It was the Rio Grand Palace in Maspaloma, says Joyce. It's a lovely hotel. Germ- now, I say it's German run because it's German efficiency. And we stayed there years and years. I've stayed there about three times. And I loved it. You didn't need to mix with the, with the chavs up the road. You don't need to go up there to mix with, with chavs at all because they don't end up at the Ryu Palace. You have to appreciate the fact, and it still goes on, that the Germans get up at the crack of dawn and put towels on sun loungers. They do that, and I don't know how they've got... And the, the Germans, you can always spot them at breakfast. They will be immaculately coiffured. The Brits, baseball cap, dark glasses bandana, anything to, uh, tracksuit bottoms, anything to hide the fact that they've just dragged themselves out of bed to get the breakfast. But I thought the hotel was great. Really great. Gardens full of bougainvillea, you know, that lovely pinks and blues and, oh, just wonderful stuff. And they had an outdoor pool with a dining area at the bottom. It was good. It was really good. I liked it. But to try and get in it the last time we tried, nigh on impossible. Obviously, word has filtered through. Steve Allen loved this this hotel so much. Everybody else wants to stay there. But it's the Rio Group. So it's the Rio Grande at Maspalomas. You can't miss it. It's right at the very end. It's a big white hotel. And we thought it was lovely. German standards. 
which means particularly high. Particularly high. They're a bit fussy, the Germans. A lot of gold slippers. Not just the men. What the women were wearing. Jack boots, I suppose. Catherine says, loving the show. Merry Christmas. Are you on over the holidays? No, thankfully not. No, I'm away now. I'm off to Father Christmas land and uh, staying there for the whole of Christmas. Of course not. Jeff in Lewisham says, as today is the end of the world, according to the Mayan calendar, it's been nice knowing you. You sound so much better. The end beats watching the rubbish on TV. Gone are the golden days of Christmas television since the advent of satellite television. He says, alternatively, if you're still here, I will be listening to you as normal. Yes, I will be here on Sunday morning, the best of Steve Allen, and that'll be followed by In Conversation, which this week, it's a Panto special. We've had lots of Panto people on. And this week, we've got the fabulous Christopher Biggins, the fabulous Priscilla Presley, and the even more fabulous Warwick Davis. And that'll be on Sunday morning on LBC. And then on Monday... No, I can't remember on Monday. I'm here between 7 and 10. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I start later. It was great for me. A bit of a lie-in. I might better actually go to bed a bit later, but I probably won't. And then I think before the programme, at 7 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think there's going to be the best of Steve Allen, uh, the best of In Conversation. There's loads of things we've got... I think for the year, I can't remember. Yeah, we've actually recorded some marathon links of some of my favourite celebrities, as picked off by the producer, um, on the programme. And then there's a Best of Steve Allen. Then there's a compilation programme. Oh, it's tons of stuff. There's, I mean, I'm, you know, it's going to be Steve Allen, Steve Allen, all over Christmas. Ha! <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll be taking my money home in a wheelbarrow, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a very small wheelbarrow. But I like it. I like it anyway. Um, Quickly go back to some more of your texts and emails. Weave them all in this morning. Most uh, most of Europe celebrate Christmas on the uh, on the twenty fourth. I think we're one of the few countries who do the twenty fifth. I'd rather be woken by you than overexcited kids. Says uh, Sharon in Streatham. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC. Uh, somebody says uh, I race triathlons. A lot of people do the triathlons, don't they? A lot of people do them. Um, Malcolm says the end of the world was set to end with an asteroid crashing. Turned out to be a chain of comets. Now all the staff are looking for jobs. Which reminds me that the uh, the joke lines from Frankie Boyle today. I've got my Christmas shopping planned out. I'm going to do it all tomorrow in Comet, he says. Which is lovely. He talks about the London Fire Brigade. Talks about Cheryl Cole's boyfriend, Trey, has been talked out of proposing by her mum. His mistake was asking over the phone. Everybody knows, writes Frankie Boyle, the best chance of gaining parental blessings in the Northeast is by slowly approaching your potential in-laws while mesmerically waving 200 B&H. <laughs> you see, what he's saying is... Oh, it doesn't matter. Can't be bothered to explain it to people. He's lovely. I do love him, actually. And uh, another one here. Uh, he talks about... Um, some of it you can't read. He says, This morning host Eamon Holmes has filmed a guest appearance on Hollyoaks. It's a great part for Eamon. He's playing a beanbag chair in the sixth form common room. He's got a thing about weight, hasn't he? I mean, honestly. No, the funniest pictures are of Eamon and on, on the picture of, uh, one of the one of the magazines and they've airbrushed him. He looks slightly peculiar. Mind you, she looks a bit frightened. She looks like she's been caught in a wind tunnel. <laughs> Straight back again. But, uh, good old Frankie Boyle. We love Frankie Boyle. We think he's uh, fantastic. Uh, what else does he say? I'm trying to find something that's that's repeatable. And most of it, he says, Andy Murray was delighted to be awarded third place in Sports Personality of the Year. Or he might have been disappointed. It was impossible to tell. Jim Davidson has been signed up for Celebrity Big Brother. 
Let's hope the other 12 contestants are Nigeria's kickboxing squad. Yes, I mean, poor old Jim Davidson, a man so, so stuck in the past. You know, a Neanderthal of the first kind. A man who, you know, I've seen him when he's been very good. And I've seen him when he's been really, really awful. And unfortunately, when his prejudices come out, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. There's a story in the paper today of a woman who's been handed an ASBO. This is the woman from hell. There's a picture of her. Her name is Julie Griffiths. She's an ugly. An ugly. You know when they're ugly and they get ASBOs? She broke a noise abatement order a staggering 47 times. She was first served a notice in 1999. You look at a picture of her, she's like, ooh, she's real ugly. I mean, God, no, she's awful. Anyway, now she's been told she faces five years jail. Oh, good, put her in prison. Go on, put her in prison, please. Isn't it funny? We put somebody like that in prison for breaching... But she's a nasty person. And yet some Romanian thug who thieves money off us just gets community service. Which is good. You know, it's, I don't quite understand how it works. I'm a big fan of Chaz and Dave. I want that on record. I'm a... Rabbit, 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 rabbit. I love... You want to say the words? Think I knew it... I love Chaz and Dave. My fa- they did a programme on the television about them the other day. I think they were great. One of them, actually, and I can't remember who it is. It could be Chaz or it could be Dave. I'm not sure. Um, it could be one of the two of them. He actually repairs gypsy caravans. And he puts them all together and does all the painting and everything himself. I think it's Dave. But I'm not sure which one is which. It's like Anton Deck, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know which one is... Uh, which one is which? I just have to look, look at the go. Which one are you? I don't know. There's a mum here who's sending her Christmas dinner... To her son, 110 miles, so he doesn't miss out on her cooking. Isn't that nice? There's a woman paying us a motorcycle courier, 100 quid, to get the dinner there. Ooh, it'll be dried out and horrible by the time it gets there, won't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, lbc, that is 7.3. Steve Allen's early breakfast at 5.30. 20, uh, 28 minutes to 6. Friday morning. Peter at Blackfriars says, I picked up Miss Presley at, at the theatre on Monday. She was fantastic and such a persona. She's wonderful. She was wonderful. All I kept saying was, I mean, I wanted to swear and do that sort of, blimey, it's, it's Priscilla Presley. But I was just as impressed by Warwick Davis, who just made me laugh. When he was telling me that in the pantomime, I don't want to ruin it for you, but he has to do this gangman, gangman style. And he has to do it, but he has to, he's had to learn it in Korean. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of anything funnier. Every time, there's something about little people that just makes you want to laugh. And, and Warwick has kind of sort of cornered the market in everything. When you see him standing on that Idiot Abroad programme with Carl Pilkington, you just can't help but laugh. It's just funny. It's just a very funny thing. And uh, he, was, he was hilarious. Biggins, of course, was his uh, wonderfulness, as per usual. You can download all these programmes on the podcast, which I know you do. I love the idea there's a Father Christmas here. He's been suspended from Not Cuts. He told 10-year-old Ryan Kennett that his parents provided presents, not him. He said, I'm not real, it's your mum and dad. Later on, he mentioned last week's US massacre to Ryan and sisters Amy, seven, and Katie, six. Asking if they'd been good, he said, well, there are bad people in the world and bad things happen, like what happened to those children in America. You can't believe Father Christmas. I didn't think they were supposed to say anything like this. Mum Wendy said, I was furious. I paid six quid each for the kids to see Santa, and all three were in floods of tears. Well, I don't think so, really. I mean, the, why would they just come outside going, he's talking about something we don't know what he's talking about? Santa's had a drink or something like that. Anyway, this was at the family's uh, garden centre in Abingdon. It was Not Cuts. Not Cuts said the man has been suspended for the season. Kind of Father Christmas. I thought they just said, he said, hello, what do you want for Christmas? Hello, I'm Father Christmas. 
ho, ho, ho. What would you like? A bicycle. All right, you get a bicycle. And you, you don't know, do you? I don't know. It's, you know, whether, whether or not Father Christmas can promise stuff like that. I want to know why we, you know, and also I've heard some people say, I mean, if actually to say to a kid, I'm not real. Because, I mean, he is, he is right. He is right. But we can't say it. Apparently at Christmas time, you can't say it. I remember once somebody on LBC said years ago, was it another radio station? Anyway, it might have been. And, and they, they'd said to somebody, they said, Father Christmas didn't exist. And this woman wrote in and said, my daughter was listening to the radio and she was very, very upset. And you think, well, you have to explain. I mean, quite clearly, when they go to see Father Christmas in the garden centre, it's not the Father Christmas. It's a man playing. You see, I'm, I'm falling into the trap as well. It's a man playing Father Christmas. That way you have to... I mean, some kids are scared. Some kids are very scared of Father Christmas. I wasn't... But you have to explain to him, it's not the real Father Christmas. He lives in the North Pole. I've seen the real Father Christmas. The real Father Christmas is one... He lives in a little shack on the edge of... Uh, now, what was it? What mine was it? Anyway, we looked out over the North Pole... Was it the North Pole? Yes. I mean, whatever it was, it was blooming cold, and it was like Jurassic Park. And it was pitch black, and there was a big fire, and little elves were dancing. I've seen them, so don't, don't pull me down on this one. The elves were dancing around the fire, singing. We were all drinking hot, drinking hot black currant. I wanted a vodka in it, but apparently the elves didn't carry any of that. And then Father Christmas lived in a little shack on the edge of an emerald mine. On the edge of an emerald mine. And it was absolutely wonderful. It was it was so magical and so and we were so cold. How Father Christmas survived? That's why he's got a big long white beard. Just in case any kids listening this morning have to play along with this. So when you take them to see Father Christmas, doesn't matter where it is. It's not the real one. It's somebody who's helping out. Okay, helping out. Eight four eight five zero. Stephen LBC. Mary Croydon's not a fan of Frankie Boyle and Keith Lemon. Well, I'm not a fan of Keith Lemon, but I'm a big fan of Frankie Boyle. You, you get what you pay for with him. If you don't like Frankie Boyle, you know, people say, oh, he was making jokes about Jordan's son. Well, put it this way, the son obviously didn't think it was anything to worry about because he's still got the top-ranking column. And strange enough, she's had to take the golden shilling because she's got a... If she had the courage of her conviction, she'd turn round to the son and go, you're employing the man who took the mickey out of my son. I'm never going to work for you again. But, of course, she hasn't, has she? Because she doesn't have really much of an income at the moment. Uh, apparently, Vanessa says, Ant always stands on the left, deck on the right. So is that as I'm looking at them, or is that backwards? You see, the confusion runs on in this programme. So as I'm looking at them, or if I'm standing behind them, are they on my right or their left? Or is it their left and my right? That's what we don't know, I'm afraid. I need to know about that. There have been aggressive scenes in Corrie. When have there not been aggressive scenes in Corrie? I haven't seen Corrie for a little while, I'm afraid. I haven't, uh, I haven't followed it. Very interesting, says Robin in Golders Green, that Ramsey's doing the Iron Man. Yes, he has a buff body, but uh, believe me, as someone who's shared a changing... Good look, we can't have talk like that. What, you were looking? Dear me. I mean, that's a... And also, you can't tell. You talked about walking, how good an exercise it is. It gets easier. To think if you walk five miles a day, by the end of the week, you'll be 35 miles away. Lucky old Reading. Actually, I'm going to Reading today. I just drive around in the car. It makes people feel better if they see somebody rich driving around. I always think that's very, very entertaining. Uh, you're sounding much better this morning, says Noreen. Yes, the end is due at 11.11. Actually, if I get out quickly this morning, I could be back by 11. I want to make sure I'm wearing clean pants. don't want to miss out on this one. And uh, looking forward to In Conversation, especially Biggins. Yes, the best of's before 7am next week. And love to all, especially people travelling on this manic day of the road day. It is going to be the busiest. 
This, they say, is, I mean, I don't know why. Is this people getting away for Christmas? And people finally going, right, that's it, we're going away. I would love to do that. I would love to get away for Christmas. Some friends of mine, a few years back, rented a cottage. I didn't know you could, but apparently you can. And there were eight of them. And uh, they all went away and they just took loads of food. And they were in the middle of nowhere. I think in the Scottish Highlands. They said, I had a fantastic time. And I thought, now that would be that would be something to do later, isn't it? Funny what you said about myself and doing triathlons, says Gary. This year was my first year doing them, having been rather a non-swimmer this time last year. I managed to do ten triathlons and two duathlons, which is the same but minus the swim, and numerous other races. My recognition for this at the Hillingdon Triathletes Club Awards, I won a jar of mustard which is now being called the Keen of Mustard Award. I can't wait for next season, as I've been training hard and now swimming up to 10 kilometres a week. I don't know how you manage it. I really don't know how you... I mean, I'm really, really impressed. Really, really impressed. Um, Dr Miriam Stoppard, says William in Newcastle, is a, is a Jordette. Whoa, lassie's got lovely skin. Have they, have they got nice skin up there? Difficult to tell, actually. Most of them don't seem to possess coats. I've seen them on the town late at night. They don't look particularly good, I'm afraid. Uh, the Danes will be having their Christmas meal the evening of the 24th, says Gloria. Usually goose or duck. The dessert is rice pudding with a cherry sauce. Do you know, I used to love rice pudding. A good, I tell you, you used to do a good one. Marks and Spencer's used to do a cream, double cream rice pudding. And it was particularly good. I mean, you could, it was really, I mean, for me... It was like brain damage, serious brain damage, because it was all sugar and cream, but it was delicious. Although somebody said to me the other day, even if you're diabetic, don't worry about cream or single cream or anything like that. Go for double cream. It doesn't make any difference. We had some pouring cream the other day. That was quite nice, wasn't it? We had that with, with, with little, little tiny Christmas puddings, and we had two. We thought, you know, any more than that was too much. And this morning I brought some little puddings in which had a melt-in-the-middle thing, and then we suddenly realised I had to put them in an oven for 15 minutes. So, so we, we gave them to Rupert Bartier to take home, so he could put them in his oven. And we gave him the pouring cream, which was vanilla cream with armagnac. Sounded delicious. He, he's he's going to balloon, isn't he, over Chris? He's going to come back bigger than me and you put together, I suspect. And uh, apparently, somebody, in this rice pudding with the cherry sauce, we get a whole almond concealed within. You know, we put sixpences. Well, some people put six, You can't find them now, can you? Although I've got loads at home. Loads of six... I bought a big bag of uh, coins from this coin shop opposite the British Museum. I paid £29, and it's got all threepenny bits, sixpences, two shillings. Two... And I don't know why I did it, because I gave something. I bought them because that was the currency I grew up with. Farthings, pennies, threepenny bits, sixpences. Shillings, was there a shilling? Two shillings, half a crown. They were really... Like, you get a big bag of this money. Something to play with, I suppose. But you could use sixpences. But many's the time, my great-aunt Winifred who didn't have her own teeth for much of her own life, you know, could actually swallow the sixpence. She'd sit there and go, I've eaten the sixpence. we go, well, we'll have to wait for it to come out again then, won't we? It's got to go in next year's pudding. And so you're supposed to traditionally... I don't know why you put a sixpence in a Christmas pudding, but in, in uh, Denmark, they put an almond. The idea is not to break the almond. The one with the almond gets a gift. We then dance around the tree, Lord, singing traditional Christmas songs... Father Christmas will arrive, usually a member of the family or neighbour dressed up to give the children the presents. We will host our Christmas Day on the 25th with turkey and trimmings, followed by the opening of gifts. So there's a Christmas meal on the 24th. You see, I like tradition. I remember when I was in Vienna, I spent a lot of time in Vienna for one Christmas, and they do something on New Year's Eve where you, you drink, and then you get this stuff that you melt. It looks like lead. And you melt it in a teaspoon, a little piece of lead, over a, over a candle, and you drop it into a bowl of water, and it forms a shape. 
And that shape is supposed to be interpreted by somebody there who understands... I mean, I just got molten metal dropped in a piece of water. It didn't, didn't seem to form any shape whatsoever. But that's supposed to take you on for the for the year ahead. But I like traditions. You very, very rarely find Austrian Christmas trees covered with the usual things that we cover them with. They've just got red ribbons and the little candles which clip onto the branches. And I brought some, uh, they're called Chris Kindle... Knocked Chris Kindle, can't remember. Anyway, you clip them on the branches, put little red candles in, and that's what they have. Or filling that little gingerbread with holes in, which you buy from the bakery, and you thread them and you hang those on the tree as well. And so effectively, you eat the tree after Christmas. Might as well serve its useful purpose. Which is funny because we, they obviously nicked the tree from us because it was introduced to this country, wasn't it, by Prince Albert. So presumably, people around the world went, let's have a Christmas tree and, and let's do it and let's decorate it because you can have anything. You can have anything. Uh, Dan, Jackie, Jonah and Ross says, uh, hope you have a good weekend from all on the last night of the week. Yes, or the last day of the, of the decade or whatever it happens to be. And Jeremy says, as you view them on the screen, Ant is on the left, Deck is on the right. So Declan is the smaller one out of the two. And Ant, he's a little Geordie one, and Ant is Ant McPartland. I know, they, I know they are, Declan Donnelly and Ant McPartland. I just can't remember, and it's so embarrassing when you can't remember who, who people are. Perhaps it, if they had sort of something tattooed, which I could read, that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? At least I'd understand it then. Uh, glad to hear, says uh, Tony, that your throat and voice sound better. Good. We had a visit yesterday at the Royal British Legion from Father Christmas. My mother went over, got her gift, chatted, and was given a humbug, as she'd been naughty. Oh, dear. An hour later, she heard someone ask my husband, uh, asking if my husband had been hot in the costume. Hot in the... Co- they do get very hot, those Father Christmas costumes. Uh, it was silver thruppany bits that were meant to go into the Christmas pudding, says Pete at Blackfriars. Blackfriars. So famous. Are you actually in Blackfriars, Pete? Do you live in Blackfriars, or are you just you just sitting there waiting for a fair? Because I love the pub, the Blackfriars. It's just been marooned by itself. It's there on this, uh, just before you hit Blackfriars Bridge. Uh, is Gloria actually Danish or British? Um, I think she's British. I th- <laughs> She'll have to write in now. I don't know. Uh, that's one mystery. Uh, shillings in a, in a pudding. Putting shillings in a pudding. Do people put any, any things now in, in the pudding? I don't know if... You probably don't, do you? No, we don't. We don't do that Christmas. Well, I don't think we do. Although I might, because this year we're actually going out for Christmas dinner twice. So I get two Christmas dinners. So nobody's cooking at home. Thank goodness. I shall let you know if the... If the, uh, the only thing for me that can ruin Christmas dinner is the roast potatoes. I love crispy roast potatoes. It's as simple as that. They've got to be crispy. Just something that's been just tossed in the oven, you know, briefly, and then taken out again. It's not a roast potato. I don't like... I like them covered in fat. I like them glistening glistening. I want my sprouts. I had sprouts yesterday. Sprouts and mushrooms and Berth Bourguignon. It was a lovely combination. A really lovely combination. And today, because I'm feeling a whole lot better, I'm determined. I've got to go up and see my friend Ben to give him a Christmas box of chocolates, a little Christmas box. I've left a... I've had to, the Trump's, I've got so many blooming producers around here, not including this morning. I've had to give them, you know, cards and stuff like that. It starts working out really expensive. It's alright for a couple of the presenters. They've only got one producer. I've got loads of the blooming things. I've got them all over the place. So, uh, so Kat, I've got to have a word with later, because hopefully she's sorted out the cars for next week. Otherwise, you'll all be sitting here waiting for me to turn up, and nothing will be happening. So uh, we'll have to change those and make sure we've cancelled the other ones. And uh, what else have we got to do? I'm trying to think what else I've got to do today. Oh, I've got to go buy a nice bottle for a friend of mine for Christmas. He's got a nice book 
but it's got to come with a nice bottle of wine. So I think it's a, an instant trip to Reading. But I do feel a whole lot better. I felt, because very kindly, a group of people from, uh, from Richmond Towers sent me in. They're in Frith Street. Richmond Towers Communications. They said, we're avid listeners of LBC and heard that you have a sore throat. So to wish you a Merry Christmas, they've sent in some Fisherman's Friends. And they sent in not only a lovely little box, I love the little box because I've emptied them in there already, but four packets of Fisherman's Friends. And during the last news bulletin, I had one. And, you know, it's made a lot of difference. A lot of difference. I'm thinking, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really good. So thank you, Richmond Towers, very much indeed for that. It was great when people send things in. It's quite nice. I keep seeing pictures in the paper this week, though, of, um, of great joints. <sighs> no, not one of those. This is the joint of beef. And everybody has got raw or rare beef. It's, it's, it's red. It's moving. Oh, see, I don't like that. It's got to be... It's got to be black. It's got to be charred, I'm afraid. It's, I know it's sacrilege, and I know I'm going to get into a lot of trouble, but they say great joints make a great British Christmas. Bob Marley told me that. News headlines with Sam. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I noticed there's a, a piece in the paper today, and it's, uh, it's a story about Dweena Gibb. Dweena, of course, is Robin Gibb's widow. And I've interviewed Dweena before, and she says Christmas without Robin will be hard, but she's visiting kids in a hospice, which they supported. And she says that will bring some comfort to her, because um, Robin Gibb was... I mean, it's, they've just been struck with tragedy, that family. They really have. There's only one, one of the brothers left now, but uh, Dweena is out there. She's got a lovely house down in Oxfordshire. Uh, I'm sure that Robin left her well provided for, but she, at Christmas, gets the most support and the most comfort by visiting kids in a hospice. And you do. Strangely enough, my brother phoned me the other day, an odd thing to ask, actually, and he said, can you remember how long our mum was in the hospice before she died? And I couldn't remember. It's funny, the things you can't remember. He thought it was a week. I said, well, I wasn't sure. I know that she uh, she was quite ill, mum, at the end, and uh, I don't think she was absolutely awake for most of it. But I couldn't remember if it was a week or two weeks or even about a week and a half. I've got no idea. But uh, tremendous places, hospices. Tremendous places. And so well done to, uh, to Dwina. And she supports uh, Rebecca House. And so she's managed to get a nice, nice bit of coverage in the paper today. And so that's what I call a good side to Christmas. The side where people give money. You know, where you give money either through a text or something like that. Or you just make some sort of contribution. I still don't give to people sitting outside a cash point, I'm afraid. I just cannot bring myself to somebody who's bone idle, sitting there on their fat bottom on the pavement with a dog wrapped in a blanket. I'm sorry, I just, I just see it as a complete waste of time. You know, most of them have got stupid little plaintive voices. Get off your bottom and get out there and do something. There's loads of jobs out there. I don't accept the fact that there are no jobs and uh, you go. You could get washing up in kitchens. You can do all sorts of things. Glass collecting in pubs. Do anything. But no, they've proved to have got any money. No, I haven't. I have to work for a living, pal. I have to get up early. I love this one from Cabby Keith, who says, Steve, don't you think it's a little bit too early in the morning to be talking about Thrupney Bits so much? Cockney rhyming. OK, just in case people are not there. Thank you for that one. Trust you to think of that. Damien says, I can't wait till Christmas. I'm getting a DAB radio, so I shall wake up to your pleasant voice. Yippee! Yes, a DAB radio is definitely worth getting, isn't it? I listen in the bathroom on DAB. Not to myself, quite clearly, on DAB radio. How do you, how do you know already what you're getting? 
How do you know? Steve, it's obviously why you have a lot of producers. It's because you're like a bouncy little tigger in the morning and you wear them out. No, I do, I do have quite a number of producers. I've had quite a number over the years. Because, I, I th- to be honest with you, I think they, they do get worn out. They do get sort of well used. I mean, sometimes they're, they're, they're sort of, they're okay. But bearing in mind, when I actually get them, they have been here for nearly all of the night. So, you know, they're not at their bounciest. Some of them are fairly bouncy, some of them are not bouncy, and some of them are downright dead. But at least they've made the effort, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, one here from, 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 who's this? I don't know, actually. Is this Kevin? Oh, no, it is it's Kevin the Milkman. I thought it was. He said, when I was the um, stand-in Santa, Steve, I would look at the parents' face when little Johnny asked for a bike and mum and dad smiled and I said, I think I can do that. The look of horror on their faces and I'd say, I might have run out of that. Would that be OK if I left something else? And yes, there are presents in our home on Boxing Day because it's Sam's birthday. The poor, long-suffering fiancé takes a drive from Epping to Harlow for the Miller and Carter restaurant. Very good food and service. Good to hear the old voice back. Oh, believe you me. When I got up yesterday, when I thought, I'm going to do, as I said before, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. And and I rest, because resting I'm not very good at. It takes a lot of effort to rest. And so I'm determined today to, now that that I'm rested, and I've got everything, and it's the start of the weekend, I can rest all day tomorrow and all day Sunday. Except I will be going out for a walk on Sunday. And I've got everything done. I've got all the bits and pieces. I've got the champagne. I've got the chocolates. I've got a lovely bottle of champagne from Barbara Windsor and Scott, which was lovely. And they're, they're doing family Christmas this year, which is great. So what we're going to do, we're, we're going to get together next year, once, once Panto's over with, and we'll probably sort out a dinner with Biggins. Because you can imagine, can't you? Biggins, Barbara, Scott and me. I mean, it's, it's a match made in heaven. I think. Uh, I can barely remember Thrupney bits, Steve. Never mind. Put silver ones in at Christmas. Think little ant and big deck. Ant is the little one, says Brenda. No, deck's the little one. Declan, ant, ant McPart, no, wait a Yeah, Declan Donnelly is the little one. Ant McPartland's the tall one. <laughs> You've got it round the wrong way, Brenda. Goodness sake, I drinking this early in the morning. Mind you are in Raynham. I suppose. I think in the very olden days, as D, they used to put things in puddings, rings, thimbles, sixpences. They all meant different things. My mum made the best rice pudding. You've now given me a taste. I may have to trot to Tesco for some. Yeah, I, do you know, there's something about rice pudding. It is, it is quite delicious. Uh, presuming that the end of the world doesn't happen today, today is the shortest day. And from tomorrow, very gradually, it will get lighter. It all seems to take a while for it to be noticeable, though. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for uh, for that. Uh, also in the paper today, lots of pictures of um, that attention-seeking Helen Flanagan, the stupid woman who posted the Twitter picture of her with a gun to her head, without thinking. Engaged brain, first of all. And so then they put her up on, on daybreak. She says, I'm so upset, I'm incredibly sorry. It's, I mean, just... just stupid. Just so rank stupid. I suggest that if you get any appearance fees for anything, you send it over to them immediately. You won't, of course, but I suspect you should do. That's what I'd be making you do, I'm afraid. If I was your agent, I'd be sending over 50,000 quid immediately. Why don't you send over all your fee from the jungle? Why don't you do something as opposed to bleating up on television yet again? Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it, I'm afraid. Uh, Going to the cinema this Christmas? No. Buying lots of DVDs? Possibly. I don't know. I don't really know what I want in, uh, in the Christmas state. Nothing. I can't think of anything. Deck is shorter as he's closer to the deck. 
Uh, Declan Donnelly is definitely the shorter one, Gillian. Thank you. So now we've worked that one out. Unless <laughs> we know what's going on. And uh, Michael Dennis, he says, here is my Christmas poem. OK, which I think we'll do... We'll do it the other side of the news. I'll have to check how long it is, just to make sure. It's definitely going the other side of the news. <laughs> definitely. I haven't got enough time to do it this side, but we will do it, uh, I promise you. And uh, wishing everybody at LBC a very Merry Christmas is John, the Titanic rivet counter. He says, with 2012 being the centenary of the sinking of the Titanic. It really has been a momentous and busy year for me as a historian. 2013 promises to be an equally interesting year, as next March, Australian billionaire Clive Palmer unveils designs for his new ship called Titanic 2. This will be a full-size replica of the original Titanic, which will operate between Southampton and New York from 2015. He said, this is not a tall story, but I guarantee you will be reading about it in the press next year. By the way, the throat's sounding better. It is. And it makes you feel better. You feel like, I could do anything. I could sit here for another 30 minutes at least. So, you heard it first on LBC. There is going to be a new ship, Titanic 2. It will be built by the Australian billionaire Clive Palmer, and it will operate between Southampton and New York, and it will be a full-size replica of the original Titanic. You heard it first on LBC. No, you don't need to check the date in the diary. It is not April the 1st. Titanic 2 will be operating in 2015. Can't wait to see it. And if you go onto the onto Google and you type in the big piece, you get to see the only original piece of Titanic that is up here. It's a huge piece, about 30 feet by 15. And it's currently residing in the Luxor in Las Vegas as part of the Titanic exhibition. They brought it up from the depths. It's got portholes and everything on it. You'll never see anything like it until Titanic 2 takes to the waters, operating from 2015, a full-scale replica built by the Australian billionaire Clive Palmer. Thank you for that, John. And as I say, everybody will be talking about it, but you heard it here first on the 25th... 25th... On the 21st of December. I nearly thought we'd had Christmas already, and I thought, I haven't had any presents yet. Haven't had any presents, but uh, feeling quite chipper this morning. More of your texts and emails coming up very, very shortly. Uh, Steve, Ant is the one who looks like an ant. Yes, no, we've worked out that Ant McPartland is the taller of the two and the slightly shorter one is Declan Donnelly. I think this is them sending in these things to keep the publicity going over Christmas. Anyway, we'll take a a short break for the news at six o'clock this morning. Nice to have you company if you have just joined us. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. What's going to be happening in EastEnders? We'll run through some of the uh, crazy things. And also, who's going to win Strictly? No, I don't care either. So I'm not going to tell you that, because it, it might ruin it for you, just in case you've got certain bets on. Give you a rundown as well on what's happening with Nick Ferrari's programme. And uh, for the morning news rundown with Fenella Fudge, we'll give you a rundown of what she's going to be doing after the news at 6.30. But the news at 6 with Sam Pittis is next. At LBC 973, this is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, five past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have your company. I trust you are well. Can't believe this is going to be the today busiest day on the roads. Busiest day for flooding. It's certainly the worst flooding we've seen in ages and ages and ages. And also... It's the final weekend for shopping before Christmas, because come, um, although many of you will still be rushing around, will you not, on Christmas Eve, buying those last-minute presents? Buying the pre- you think, oh, just buy anything, just buy anything. And the good thing is, if you buy perfume or a gift set 
from any of the department stores, you know that they're going to gift wrap. You always go, can you gift wrap? And they gift wrap it, and then it saves you doing it. So under the tree, there will be one decent present wrapped, and the rest of them will all look rubbish, which is awful. Actually, I'm very grateful for these fishermen friends from, uh, from Richmond Towers. They've served me well during the news bulletins. They really have. 84850, uh, Another one here. A lot of people are still still trying to work out which one is Ant and which one is, is Deck. Tricia is volunteering at a homeless centre this Saturday, and next Saturday, looking forward to it. I had a friend years ago who was homeless because his wife and children got killed in a car accident, and he dropped out for two years, so I do that. A lot of people do that. They say it's very, um, very therapeutic to go and help people out and serve dinner, even if you're just serving lunch for some old people or, or doing something like that. So volunteering at a homeless centre is very good. Neil in Norbury, he says, glad to hear your voice is back to its brilliant self. So happy it is. I seriously thought, yes, I've just said to Sam Pittis, because he's had the same problem, you know, with a sore throat. And you worry, because in this business, he said to me, the only answer is not much talking. And I said, kind of an occupational hazard, I'm afraid, for LBC 97.3. You can have to talk at some point. And I enjoyed the talk, but I did think, two days ago, I thought it was so raspy, my throat, I thought it's never going to get better. And I think you've noticed this morning, hang on, <coughs> not too much coughing. I've had a little bit of coughing, but not... not that was quite, quite gentle. I mean, the other day, it was terrible. It was terrible. So it's, it's a lo- an awful lot better. Uh, Tricia says Merry Christmas, and Merry Christmas to everybody as well. Uh, another one here. I'm trying to get as many, any of your texts and emails in as I can between now and 6.30. Young David in Orlando, he says, uh, I thought I'd wish you a Merry Christmas. He said, thank you so much for keeping me company during my drive home from work each night. So he listens in Orlando, in the car, I mean, isn't that... I just think that's fantastic. Isn't technology absolutely... Brilliant? Nothing ceases to amaze me. I've never gotten over the radio and the television. I've never quite worked out radio at all. If I live to be 37, ladies and gentlemen, or even 40, which I might turn next year, I've, uh, well, turning as opposed to the 40 thing, I've, I've never worked out how radio works. I'm in it. I'm not too sure how it works, or uh, nobody explains anything to me, so I don't bother. He says, I will miss you over Christmas... As your new hours mean I'll be in the land of Nod during your show, but I will look forward to having you back at 4am. Yes, because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7 till 10. 7 till 10 we are here. Uh, because we're sitting in for Nick Ferrari. So today's his last day. He's not back till January. And so I'll be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, we're back to normal. So fear not. Um, Had a bit of luck this year, says Sam. He said, I went shopping at the Chimes Shopping Centre in Uxbridge. My mum entered a competition and won £1,000. Wow. Which is very good indeed. So well done to, uh, to mum, who's Janet, for winning a load of money. Crikey, that's very nice. Uh, Robin will be volunteering in the hospice on Boxing Day this year. Big shout out for the North London Hospice in Finchley. He says, I don't know how long your mum was in hospice for, but the average length of stay is just five days. Well, that's what my brother thought. He said he thought it was five days, and I said, I couldn't remember. You might be right. You might be right. I don't... I, I really can't remember. It's one of those things that, unfortunately for many of us, it's a blur, isn't it? You can't remember anything at the time. We're trying to work out why we put coins as well. Coins in Christmas puddings, or anything, really, in Christmas puddings. Some sort of free gift. Uh, another one here from uh, Arthur. I don't, we've got a very short poem. Oh, we've got to do our other poem as well, haven't we? This is End of the World. And 
This is, according to the Mayan calendar, today is now the end. If you have an enemy, try to make them your friend. Don't leave this world bitter or go with hate in your heart. Try to patch up your differences before you're forced to part. Of course, it could all be wrong and the world will continue to live. Still find a place in your heart to forget and to forgive. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, I couldn't subscribe to that at all. The very idea of leaving this world not being bitter, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's just not my, not my sort of thing at all. Uh, NASA has confirmed, Steve, the 21st of December, late evening. The sky's going to turn very dark. This is a phenomenon called night. I know, I love it. Or not, especially if you live in the, in the North Pole, it's night all the time, isn't it? It is night all the time. Right, tis the season to be jolly. This is Michael Dennis, the, uh, the black cab poet, for you today. Once again, upon us all, it has crept, like every year. Before, I'm never prepped. At this moment, I have no festive joy, as I'm on a quest for that must-have toy. The endless supermarket checkout queues, the panic buying trolleys full of booze, and then after I've traipsed, excuse me, all over town, it's to the butchers for the turkey crown. But when the day arrives, I change my mind. Bar humbug disappears from me, I find. A few days R&R with family, on high the bells will ding-dong merrily. Season's greetings and messages of peace... The stockings hang from the mantelpiece. For Santa Claus, some sherry and mince pies. The mystified look in your children's eyes. The kids who wake before the crack of dawn. The hungover who stay in bed and yawn. The holly and the ivy, silent night. Frenzied unwrapping and smiles of delight. Hair salon Barbie with flowing blonde locks. Needs surgical removal from her box. Another pack of socks, some cheap smellies. Boxing day, out walking in your wellies. The time has come to start the Christmas meal. I've a mountain of vegetables to peel. I put a cross in every Brussels sprout in order to let the trapped wind out. The Christmas pudding engulfed in blue flames. Crackers, paper hats, silly jokes and games. The cold cuts and pickles bubble and squeak. The thought of eating turkey for a week. Great Aunt Elsie in a comfy chair, oblivious, completely unaware. She crashed out after dinner around four. Above the telly we can hear her snore. The bowl of nuts, the untouched box of dates, impromptu calls from family and mates. The once-a-year tins of Quality Street, yet another sound of music repeat. We're put under pressure every year to fill our lives with festive Christmas cheer. Such stress and needless hassle for one day. I wouldn't have it any other way. Merry Christmas. And a very happy new year. Thank you very much indeed for that. And a very happy new year. And a Merry Christmas to uh, all of you as well. Just in case you're not with us, perhaps today is the day that you're driving off and the day that you're going somewhere to go and visit relatives and loved ones. Remember to check you've got all the kids in the car before you go. I only mention it because sometimes people leave them home alone. And that's not the best thing to do, is it at all? Uh, On the subject of... um, I'd like... They would like to share a fisherman's friend, Rhett and Justin... Do you know, I tell you, they've, they've served me well, those things. They really have. I said to... Um, was that, I was talking to the producer, bless his heart. Eh, off with the pixies, as usual. And uh, he'd never heard... He thought they were just peppermints. I said, no, no, no. These lozenges have been made since 1800s. They do them in different flavors. It's a little company. And they, they sell millions and millions of them. Steve, Gloria is indeed from the UK. Say hello to her. And uh, HMV from all of us. And especially hello to Marion and Kitty. You remember them from the Magic Circle and trudging up to LBC Towers with a box of your candles. Much excitement in the Schultz household this morning. Big bird in the sky. Off to see the same person in the hut with the reindeers that you went to. Have a lovely time, says Paul in Manchesterford. 
Thank you. Lovely. Big bird in the sky. I hope, actually, that the weather is great and that people get away on their holidays and they can, they can manage to go to loads of different places. Because nothing worse. Um, <laughs> Mike in South Croydon telling me how to identify Ant and Deck. I think we've finally worked it out. We've finally worked it out. All we want to make sure is that they're actually on the television over Christmas. And last day at work today, says Neil, taking the boys at work to our local Miller and Carter, the Dick Turpin in Hainault. So you've got Fisherman's Friends. Let's make a date for a day on the bank. Fishing, he says, for next year. Yeah, right. OK, maybe not. 14 minutes past six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, LBC 97.3. I'll give you a quick rundown in a moment as, uh, as to what's happening with Nick Ferrari between seven and ten this morning. I think... Um, I think, actually, they've got Kelvin McKenzie who's going to be joining him a little bit later on, so I'll run through that. Plus, we've, uh, we've, yet, we've hardly delved into any of the papers, actually, this morning. I don't know why, because uh, there's another celebrity who's being questioned. This time it's Fred Talbot. And I had to be reminded who Fred Talbot was. He was the weatherman for this morning. He used to jump between the, the weather maps. And so the police are now questioning him as well. You begin to think that the police must be thinking, God, will this never end? Quarter past six. LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Apparently, ladies, bad news for you today. You're five pounds heavier than you think. There's bad news for Christmas. Just when you thought you could lose the weight and look absolutely fantastic, little consolation. You know, when you stand in that changing room going, does my bottom look big in this? The answer is yes, five pounds heavier. Apparently, uh, those in their late 30s are the, are the most optimistic. Convinced they really do weigh half a stone less than they do. Whereas men have got no idea. Women know their size. Men just know if we're small, medium, large or extra large. I'm, I'm medium, and I'm medium, thank you, and uh, <laughs> anybody who says differently goes home in a coffin. It's as simple as that. No, I mean, I d the funny thing is, why do women know more about their size? I wouldn't know what my chest size was at all. I had to look on this jumper the other day, you know, the one that was marked the wrong size in Marks and Spencer. I thought, I'll give it to my brother anyway. And, um, and, I'm, and I measured, they said, this goes up to a 49-inch chest. Well, I wouldn't have the faintest idea what size my... Well, it sounds massive, doesn't it? That's why it was marked incorrectly. It was quite tight on me. And I certainly don't have a 49-inch chest, but it was absolutely enormous. Absolutely enormous. Um, I was shocked and frightened, says Head, hit by father of pupil. This is a, an amazing story in the papers today, and it's on the front page of the Daily Mail. It's a thug. Paul Stratford is a thug. He's a nasty little piece of work. He walked free from court. He punched and swore... First of all, we've had a five-year-old in the papers this morning. Now we've got a thug who swore and punched Zeta McCormick after she told him his eight-year-old son, Brendan, would be excluded for a day. Flanked by colleagues, the teacher told the 31-year-old to calm down. Instead, he made for her, punching her. What sort of person is this? Despite the gravity of the offence, here we go, wishy-washy magistrates, they decided to impose a community sentence telling Stratford to pay his victim £100. Have our courts just... I mean, I don't quite understand where we're coming from here. This is the same court, or it's a similar sort of story, of, uh, of the Romanian thief who got away with three million quid and was given a suspended jail sentence. Apparently, last night, an education expert said law and order has gone out of the window. Another said Stratford, who already had, I think, a conviction uh, for violence, should have been jailed. What a nasty piece of work he is. 
Paul Stratford, you thug. You vile piece of work. You hit women. You are not nice at all. It took place in June, after Brendan was accused of a racial outburst against a Somali boy. And uh, he swore at pupils and staff in what Mrs McCormack said was his third act of bad behaviour. After calling the boy's mother to ask for him to be picked up, his father launched his attack in the foyer. What a piece of filth. What a piece of disgusting filth Paul Stratford is. Absolutely disgraceful. Small wonder nobody wants to become teachers nowadays. You're not paid for thugs like Paul Stratford to come round. You disgusting piece of work. Oh, dear God. Small wonder, I'd say, teachers will be going, do you know, I feel like taking a school to court now, or taking the council to court, or taking the, um, the, the judge to court again. I mean, how can you just say, oh, we're just going to give them community service? What, for punching a woman in the face? Oh, dear me. Oh, dear, oh my goodness me. There's a, a new calendar. Far from it being the boys who get the bits out for the calendars, now there is a chari- charity calendar... Uh, for the uh, the 15 members of the women's rowing team at Warwick University. So they've all stripped off. It's all very tastefully done. It's not as it's not Rudy Nudy. I mean, some of it's a bit nudy, but it's all tastefully done. And their calendar will be available very shortly. Uh, one of the uh, students describes herself as a commentator on feminist issues, described the concept as tacky and an attempt to gain notoriety. It certainly is Leila Haldrani. But it's a bit of fun. And if you haven't got any sense of fun, just crawl back in the ground here and pull the earth over the top of you. Because the rest of us are having a bit of a laugh. We're not interested in silly little words like feminism and tacky and gaining notoriety. You know, shut up and let other people get on with their lives. They're having far more fun, quite clearly, than you are. Uh, 84850, Oh, We're nearly finished, actually. We haven't uh, got too much time left. So, uh, Trevor says... Nick Ferrari's on holiday, so we get more of your acerbic wit. It's definitely Christmas. Well, it is true. It is true. I am here at Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And uh, they're building... Oh, let's tell you quickly. Building bridges with the police, the Mitchell way. And uh, another man's been arrested over the Plebgate attack. And so they've got uh, Mr Mitchell out there leaning in for a kiss from a from a police constable, a WPC, who's got her eyes closed. So quite clearly it's a bit of a serious kiss. You only... Close your eyes if you're going in for something fairly serious. Nick and the team this morning, as leaked documents, implies that half of London's police stations will face closure. Nick will be asking, do we still need police stations in 2012? Plus, after it emerged, police have arrested and questioned a second man over the Andrew Mitchell Plebgate affair. Nick will be speaking with the former editor of The Sun, Kelvin McKenzie, about whether his paper was right to publish the story. All of that and a full review of the day's newspapers. Uh, today it's Marcus Maybury, the editor-at-large for the New York Times in London, and the International Herald Tribune will be looking at the papers. Uh, because of rising fuel costs, we'll be finding out after news at 6.30 with Fenella Fudge this morning, whether or not many families won't be able to see their family because they can't afford to put petrol in the car. Well, to be honest with you, I did put petrol in the car the other day because I was determined not to, not to sort of run out just in case they're going to do their silly shortage thing. And it was actually a lot cheaper. I paid one forty. Point nine, I think, the week before. one thirty-seven the other day. So the advice is shop around. It's not easy to find cheap petrol, but uh, shop around. Or further that, take trains. You know, it's a very good train service that we uh, operate. And as the end of the world is nigh, as the Mayan calendar suggests, and it's going to finish at uh, 11 o'clock, they've never had so much publicity in their entire life. Up until now, nobody had really bothered with the Mayans. But now, all of a sudden, we're talking about their calendar, and they're all very, very excited about the whole thing. So we'll find out more a little bit later on this morning on uh, just how far it's going to go and whether or not the world will be finishing at 11 o'clock today. 
84850, uk. Uh, Joanne of Northweald, very happy birthday for today. It's always nice to wish somebody a birthday as you get ever nearer. And uh, I work in Clapham. My colleague was threatened this week by a parent. It's a regular occurrence, says Cathy. Well, these stories are absolutely terrible. First of all, a five-year-old in the paper who punched a teacher in the face and then has been expelled. This is the fourth such incident. And the parents, of course, blissfully unaware of anything. You know, naive in the extreme. Hold their hands up and go, oh, our son's been thrown on the scrap heap. Perhaps if we had better parenting, he might not have been, I'm afraid. And one here says, uh, you're off to buy a bottle for a friend. I want you to tell you about a bottle I bought from Sainsbury's. It's red wine flavoured with dark chocolate. Ooh, sounds a bit bizarre. Red wine and dark chocolate. What, actually in the same bottle? I've never heard of that before. Are you sure? You bought, she said, I'm going to buy a couple more bottles. Oh, right. Oh, Anne's got a drink problem. That's why. She's drinking red wine with dark chocolate and the dark chocolate's in the red wine. Trust you to come from Worcestershire. I don't think they do it down here. We have normal drinks. We just have red wine in red wine bottles. The idea of putting chocolate in there is somewhat bizarre. Although I did once have strawberries in a restaurant covered in balsamic vinegar. How old was that? It's not normal, is it? Why can't people just leave food alone? Sausages are not meant to be in batter. They're just meant to be sausages. Don't worry about these things. Uh, Brian says there are three sizes, Steve. Large, extra large, and I don't believe it. Thank you very much indeed. Listen, finally, front pages of the papers for you this morning. The father on the front of the Daily Mail who abused and punched head mistress only has to pay £100. I'll have him locked up straight away. Uh, the son, wife-battered, paralysed kid. This is Eddie Kidd. Uh, the child, sex cops have swooped on Fred the Weatherman. Daily Mirror this morning. Simon Cowell's new girlfriend, Carmen Electra, says, I want a baby. A little bit soon for that one, I thought. But uh, Simon with his... He's, he's definitely plumped up a little bit. I mean, there's quite a lot of filler, I think, going on here. And dreaming of a wet Christmas. There's water, water everywhere. It's not great news for you. But uh, it does save you using those awfully expensive car washes, I always think. House prices soaring by 7% after the market has bounced back. And the sad news that Robert Preston... The BBC's Robert Preston. His wife died and now burglars have broken in and snatched his late wife's rings. That really is tragic. Twelve inches of rain to lash Britain, they've said. Twelve in- I don't know, twelve inches doesn't sound that much, does it? I mean, to some people it probably seems like an awful lot. But if you live anywhere down in Wallington, down in Hampshire, it's not particularly good news. Uh, Osborne told to get tough on banks, is the front page headline uh, on The Independent. And the Times have got a picture of the soldiers from the Royal Scots Borderers, the 1st Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland, flying home at the end of their tour. And the one thing you'll notice when you look at the picture is, by God, do they look young. By God, do they look young. I'm going to be back with you on Sunday morning for the best of Steve Allen in conversation with Priscilla Presley, Warwick Davis and the fabulous Christopher Biggins. And then on Monday, I'm here between 7 and 10, Tuesday between 7 and 10, Wednesday between 7 and 10. So keep those, uh, those emails and texts coming in. Have yourself a great weekend. It's the great getaway. People are getting away and the shops are going to be packed solid. Nick and the team will be here. His final show of the year, I believe. And that's from 7 till 10. Fenella Fudge has got the morning news next on LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3